Hey guys, you're catching another episode of the Spinoff Show. On this particular episode, I've got Jimmy McPike joining the show. If you don't know who Jimmy is, he's actually been on the Jock and Nerd podcast a couple times now. Um, along with that, he has served in the military as a Marine. Uh, he has a degree in history, specifically the history of Ireland, and he's also an aspiring writer. On this particular episode, we talk about a shit ton of history, specifically Ireland, England, a little bit about the Romans, um, and then how that kind of translates and relates to American history. We go into racism and the idea of America. We talk a little bit about the current state of affairs in the United States. We uh, talk UFC, a little Conor McGregor, um, and we even talk a little bit about his time in the Marines. I think this was a really interesting discussion, and you hit play, so now you're going to check it out. This is the Jock Spinner Show. And... We're recording. Hello, Jimmy. How's it going? Uh, doing well. Nice. How's it going? <laughs> I'm all right, man. I'm all right. I'm a little hungover, to be honest with you. It happens. Yeah. I, uh, I went out last night and I drank too much. I woke up at probably five or six in the morning on my couch, having eaten a full burrito. For some reason, I decided to order two burritos last night, yep. and... Uh, by the time I woke up, the other burrito was cold, and I was like, this is fucking a waste, and I just threw it out. Yep. Yeah, so that was a bad decision. I mean... I'm, one burrito is always a good decision. Ordering two, not a good decision. It depends on how drunk you are when you order it. Yeah. Because like, I was out with some friends once, and then I was like one of the la- like I was like last man standing, because mm-hmm. and usually I go down first. <laughs> So then now it's like my turn where I've got a buddy carry my friend out of the Uber, get him up to his apartment. And Mm -hmm. then we're like, "Eh, you know, we're right on Milwaukee flash tacos over there. Fuck it. Let's get a burrito. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was the mindset I was, I had was I wasn't completely wasted or anything. I remember everything, but it was just like when you drink a little bit, you get hungry. And I just overestimated how hungry I would be. Not only that, I overestimated eating a burrito and then, when you eat something, you get immediately tired. And I just laid down for a second, and then I fell asleep. Yep. <laughs> Been there. <laughs> no, the life and times of, of me. But anyways, Jimmy McPike, back on the podcast, except not on Jock and Nerd this time. Same been on, Yeah, same feed, though. But you were on uh, a couple shows, too? I was on, yeah, I was on two for you guys, and then one for a place to hang your cape. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You still, uh, you still writing? Uh, not really. Not really. And it's like, and I do feel bad about it because they were like, "Hey, do you want to keep doing this?" And like, I did, mm-hmm. but shit, you know, shit kept coming up. Mm-hmm. So then it's like I kind of didn't, and now I basically don't, and I never really like told them. So, oh, uh, yes, sorry, sorry David. guys, yeah, sorry, <laughs> sorry about that, guys. Your uh, uh, your pen name on there is Bard Brahan. Yeah, yeah. What is what's the origin of that again? So I know that's, about yeah, it. but I mean, always worth re right. Um So that comes from the concept of Bray and Law, mm-hmm. which was a pre 
It dated from pre-Christian times in Ireland up until the English conquest at the end of the Nine Years' War in 1603. Mm -hmm. And part of that was that it gave special status to court musicians, poets, storytellers, because they were they were the keepers of Gaelic culture and history and society. So what part of what I want to do in my life is preserve stories, you know, by like being a historian and then, you know, advancing in this case American culture and um so that's you know when i had to choose a pen name i was like well i wanted to be something meaningful so mm-hmm. that's what i came up with do you have to have a pen name i sort of did it was um cuz when i was coming up with it i was one in the marine corps and then two i was wrestling in college jesus yeah oh, you're awesome so. <laughs> I mean, not so much anymore. But, <laughs> yeah, uh, right. Back then. But yeah, it was, uh, so is, you know, the Marine Corps doesn't like having, you know, it's like, hey, this guy who's a Marine, you know, did this thing and we don't like it. So we're going to get uppity about it. Mm. And then the NCAA is our assholes about, Any you know, sort of athletes money? and their image. And, ah, gotcha. That's you know, even though I was like a back bencher on a, d2 wrestling team very very good d2 wrestling team Mm -hmm. but you know still or it's like no one's coming up for my autograph (laughs) right and you know i'm not gonna make any money with it they're still dicks about it because they because it's amateurism right 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 they want to preserve that that, the the fucking lie yeah the the lie as the ncaa tournament is going on right now and they're profiting Mm -hmm. billions all the the athletes, if they get caught getting paid anything, are dragged through the mud. Shout out to, um, I think, Georgetown, though. I think that's who I'm, uh, my family roots for. I'm not. Georgetown? Yeah, because it's. The tournament. <laughs> well, because I follow. Uh, oh, they weren't? Okay. Yeah, they didn't even make it. <laughs> okay. Because I follow my uncle on Twitter, yeah. and that's like my only college basketball thing. You're not a college basketball guy, right? Well, really. if you're a wrestler, I've, I've noticed that when you're a wrestler, yeah. you don't really give a fuck about basketball. Yep, because it's, it's I mean same I, same time yeah. period, and there's just a, it's just a, such a completely different sport. Yeah, basketball. I think they're wimps. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's funny thing. I, I did both in high school. I did basketball for mm-hmm. two years, and I did wrestling. So. I, I like both, but mm-hmm. I, I've been enough around around enough wrestlers where they think basketball players are, are sissies. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I can see it. <laughs> um, but I, I wanted to have you on because you're a number of things, so mm-hmm. it's just going to be fun to talk to you for a bit. Um, you're a res- high school or a college wrestler, college athlete, right? Mm-hmm. Was was was. Mm-hmm. Was a Marine, still currently a Marine? It's, I mean, there are no ex-Marines, but right. I'm not, like, assigned to a unit or anything anymore. Where it's, my contract's up, so I'm not in the, I am a Marine mm-hmm. who is no longer in the Marine Corps, is mm-hmm. the parlance. Gotcha, okay. You're a, you were you were a writer, and you're trying to write again? I am a writer. I am a writer, okay. I don't do, like, I, I don't really write for a place to hang your cape anymore. Mm-hmm. Which it's, again, sorry, sorry about that. 
not to make that super awkward. Yeah, but uh, so I, I don't really yeah, that as something I have done. Mm-hmm. And then not the, the thing that most intrigues me around, besides mm-hmm. all the other things is your you studied history mm-hmm. and you would consider yourself kind of a historian. I so I have a bachelor's degree in history. Yep. So that um, and because I was. When I graduated, I was like, okay, wait, do I get to call myself a historian now? Yeah. So it's, How does that work? The way I th- think of it is there's like levels. So, you know, like PhDs who they've published original theses and, you know, they write for like j- big time journals and all that. They're like historians, historians where no one can really, you know, their credentials are on a certain level unassailable. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, goes down from there to where you've got all the way at the bottom are like history buffs who, you know, read Wikipedia and consider themselves a, where it's, they read a lot of popular history. Mm -hmm. So that's, um, the problem with that is a lot of popular histories are written by journalists. Mm. So it's like, um, uh, Bill O'Reilly keeps writing history books and it's It's not it where i mean it's not he's him him and like his ilk doing it specifically bothers me the most because it's very much meant to politicize history Mm -hmm. and it's meant to advance a certain worldview when that's not what history is about and it's not it poisons the dialogue and it, I mean like there are people on the left who do that and there's, you know, it's people who shouldn't, but do. And then there's a bit of a gray area for like, um, people like Dan Carlin Mm -hmm. who they aren't historians, but they do like podcasts. And, um, so like him, the guy who does history, who did history of Rome and is doing revolutions now, they're also like that where they're um, either, they tend to be either poli sci or journalism people. And they don't, they communicate well. So that's why people listen to them mm-hmm. versus like reading academic history. I mean, it's not for everyone. Right. Because it's very, it's really, really dry. Well, Dan Carlin, hardcore history, right? Mm. He, he, I mean, he he tells it, he orates it in a way that mm. it's like a storytelling. Yeah, time. he's probably the best like lay historian, where because he, um, you know, he cites all his sources. He lays out like, hey, this is, you know, where I got everything, and like this is my translation from so-and-so and and this is what i'm reading from and this is who i was reading and then another thing is he gives that disclaimer where he's where he says i am not a historian this is just my recollection of events and like i'm throwing this in here because i think it's cool Mm -hmm. and like it's an interesting story versus maybe it's not the most accurate and he listened to his stuff mm mm-hmm yeah. Oh, so I, I, I do. I do really like his podcast because it is very well done, but it's not something I go to when I'm like, when I have a burning question. Okay. 
That's um, so I'm like one level above that where I understand the processes and the mechanics, but you shouldn't take anything I tell you at face value where it's um, something where it's, you need to, you know, it, I'm not like a much of an authority and my credentials aren't unassailable and I'm going to be more prone to making mistakes. Mm -hmm. And like even, you know, like I did most of my coursework on Irish history. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember. So, so, you know, like I'm good in that very, very narrow area where I did a lot of independent research for writing term papers and stuff. But I couldn't tell you, like, there are a lot of gaps in my knowledge beyond that. Why'd you, um, why'd you choose Irish history? Uh, my family's Irish. Okay. So that it's, makes a lot of fucking sense. And yeah, I didn't want to do something like American history because played out. It's, it's one of those things where it's like I, by the time I got to the point where I could choose what I wanted to study, it was like, you know, I, like I've read this book before. I want to, you know, see about like, Hey, where'd my ancestors come from? Mm -hmm. You had mentioned when we, um, before we started the recording that you Mm -hmm. wanted to kind of get into Mm -hmm. history and, and, um, what was that? The, the mechanics of it. Mechanics of it. Yeah. Yeah, because that that is one thing that people have a lot of misconceptions about. Yeah, tell me about that. So you read like like a popular history, Mm -hmm. and it's like here's a list of stuff that happened. You read about like textbooks you read as you're growing up. Not even textbooks, like um, you know, a book that a journalist wrote about like the war with the Tripoli pirates. It tends to be like, and this stuff happened and maybe they'll make like some notes or something. But then you read an academic history and then it's like, there's footnotes and notes there's going to be one or the other, but like, again, where people are like, Hey, this is, you know, proper MLA format. This is my citation. This is all of that. This is what other researchers in the field seem to think this is why I agree or disagree with them. This is, you know, looking at this topic from the ins and out of every angle. And here is my opinion on it. Here is my expert view on the matter. Here's why I think that Mm -hmm. versus it's otherwise a lot of journalism ones, they tend to be more declarative where it's like, and this happened and don't, you know, they don't explore alternate points of view. They, they give it from one perspective only and they don't, mm-hmm. they don't, they don't share with you that it's not from their perspective. It's, they, it's, they kind of say it as if it's, it's, this is the only way that it happened. Sometimes okay. it, and it varies, you know, there's varying levels of quality mm-hmm. and they're, you know, depending on, um, what someone's motivations are. Cause I mean, uh, cause I've studied the processes of journalism a little bit. Mm-hmm. So you want to be very declarative in it. You don't, you're just like, these are, you know, this is the story. This is what we're. Yeah. And, and yeah, you don't want to, as a journalist, you don't want to be 
flip flopping. Yeah, there's not. Yeah, there's not there's, a lot of room for that. So it's, but then you lose a lot of the nuance because mm-hmm. there's, because history, the study of history is inherently revisionist. Right. So that's you. You know, you're taking a look back over things as new information becomes available. So that's something like, um, you know, back in like the 1800s, people, you know, they read uh, Plutarch and, you know, all of those primary sources. And then they're like, okay, and this is what happened. Now memorize this. That's history. Mm. Done deal. Then as you start to look at new information that becomes available, so you, you know, uh, archaeologists dig up, you know, a new cache of records or something like that, where more, as people gain more access to the information, they start to look at the nuance of it and the more subtle ideas. Mm-hmm. So, you, so know, you have an example of that? So... Back, you know, in the before times of history, people would attribute the fall of the Roman Empire to things like moral decay or to lax virtues in society. Oh, yeah, I remember hearing all uh, all that stuff. Yeah, where it's like, oh, you know, they they abandoned what made them Romans and now, and, you know, as a result, their society collapsed and stuff like that versus you look at... Now, a lot of the prevailing theory is there was long-term population decline in the provinces. Why was that? Disease, um, I think, is the most common one, but it's um, – I don't remember off the top of my head what the smoking gun was. But I know How big was the Roman Empire at its peak? Uh, So you know the Mediterranean Sea. Mm Mm-hmm. All of the land around that, all of the land, like all of the, you know, Italy, Greece, all of that, most of modern day Turkey, most of England and Wales. Really? Yep. And then most of North Africa. So, yeah, so everything above the uh, Sahara Desert was Roman territory. For a time, this was bigger than the Greek Empire. There was never really a there was never Greek, a Greek Empire, sort of. But that's because uh, there was the Roman Empire, right? Which most people will tell you it la- it fell in the late fifth century. Okay, and that's was the Latin Empire, where it's the people who spoke Latin. But then after that, there was the Byzantine Empire which was still the Roman Empire, and they called themselves Roman, and everyone called them Roman right up until they themselves were conquered. Then, But they were Greek-speaking. So after a couple centuries, when, you know, it's, when everyone was Greek and speaking Greek, it became a lot more Greek, obviously. Mm-hmm. But they still called themselves Roman, so there was kind of a Greek empire. So the Greek empire was after? It's was the Greek speaking Roman Empire, but yeah, it's nuance, shades of gray. Right, right, right. So the the new information that came out about the Romans 
it wasn't necessarily moral decay and no it was there was for a number of reasons the provinces and the rural areas became depopulated so then as a result there wasn't the kind of infrastructure and demographic support they needed to do things like integrate new factions of tribal peoples into the empire the way they had in the past so you had situations where you know the goths or the franks or whoever could move into the area and then you know back in like augustus's time they would be you know like they would learn latin and they would say okay now you join the roman army and you know you have to do things this way and that way and then at the end you know we'll give you a plot of land and you'll be a roman citizen and you know you can vote in elections and all that and you know we'll make a proper roman out of you but then as time went on they couldn't that didn't happen and so it's you had whole units of the roman army became you know not they they would have called them barbarians but you know but these tribal peoples mm-hmm. and so they could act more or less independently and they could say okay well you said we fight for you you give us this land we fought for you this is our land now and it it there was still like a nominal allegiance to the empire but it effectively became gothic or whoever's territory and they were still under their tribal structure with their king and all of that and then when they decided they didn't want to you know when they decided they wanted to do something they did it mm-hmm. they weren't following the mm-hmm. the rules anymore mm-hmm. so it was more or less the bricks just started falling it wasn't one yeah, big where thing it's, it was just little part little pieces were chipping off mm-hmm. That's crazy. I'm just thinking about back then and you know how they didn't have obviously the technology we have. Mm-hmm. How did it's just crazy to me how to think that the Romans could rule such a large area without technology we have. How does that even work? You have to have a, a ton of loyalty and a ton of really good uh, some really good communication mm-hmm. and the ability to project power. Yeah, that is the yeah. So that's one reason that Roman roads were so vital because you could deploy troops more effectively. So say, you know, something happens up in the north of Gaul. The, what would happen was they would light a series of signal fires, get word back to Rome, and then the Rome, you know, they could deploy troops as needed. Mm-hmm. So this it wouldn't really happen like this, but just to, for an example, if they had a couple legions in Italy, they could take it from Italy along the roads up into Gaul to put troops there. Realistically, they would have already had armies at the border areas where they suspected trouble because, you know, that's where you needed them. Mm-hmm. But for to illustrate my point, they could move them across the empire or like if they needed a vat, a much bigger army to fight the Parthians or whoever they could move them much more quickly than most other armies at the time. 
and get them where they needed to go. In the Roman Empire, was everyone speaking the same language? Were they converting Mm-mm. people? So there's different yep. dialects going on all over the place. Yeah, so it's... So how do you communicate then? Because there was... Latin was the lingua franca. Okay. So it's you had people who spoke like Gallic or Britonic or um, Greek or something like that. But because Latin was the administrative language, people more or less kind of understood it. Even if they weren't, you know, 100% fluent, most people would be able to at least understand it. So that's like today where, like, English, you go anywhere in the world, mostly, and you start speaking English, people are going to have some idea, at least, or they're going to at least be like, oh, English. Right. They're going to know the language. They could recognize the language, mm-hmm. at least. How did that happen? Do you have any How did English become... The language the, of the world. The British Empire was for about a century, was the dominant political and financial force on the planet. And they didn't they have a, a really mm-hmm. good uh, navy too? Yep. So they could Where it's, get out to the world. Yeah, I mean, that was, again, power projection. Yeah. Was their ability to admit it. You know, that's how they controlled their empire. But, you know, they ruled India a lot of Africa, um, you know, Canada, places like that. And Here. <laughs> I mean, not Illinois ever, I don't think. Not Illinois? We were French? Because um, I think they got it, or part of it, in after the French and Indian War. Mm-hmm. But then they didn't, like, settle it too much. And then, like, the next decade, America was like, you know, not anymore, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> not anymore, motherfucker. <laughs> What's, um, England and, uh, so has England always, when, back when they had their empire, were they ruling Ireland as well? Mm-hmm. And then the Irish were not, so, like, not, like, tell me about that. So what happened there was back after the Norman conquest of England, there were a lot of ambitious, militaristic lords and knights and all that who you know were very into the idea of having military adventures in places like scotland or wales or ireland or sicily or wherever Mm -hmm. they weren't particularly picky so there was the king of leinster and what time period is this this is the 12th century So there, at the time, Ireland was a collection of petty kingdoms, and that was having to do with, like, you you, you had, like, tribal allegiances all the way up to there was a nominal high king, but it was more of a social position than it was a political one. So at that time, there was the um, uh, Rory O'Neill, yeah, it was Rory O'Neill, I believe, was trying to consolidate power as the High King and establish himself as the overlord of Ireland, as you know, as one does. And as part of that, he had to invade Leinster. And there was some uh, some to do about the King of Leinster absconding with the wife of 
the um, the O'Rourke chieftain who was to borrow a joke from one of my professors, my illustrious ancestor. Because <laughs> it's um, my grandmother's maiden name is O'Rourke. Oh, nice. Yeah, so it was... <laughs> but yeah, it's probably a situ- t- no, 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 probably not. Because <laughs> people would take their lord's name. Oh, as, okay. in, So it's probably not my direct ancestor, but it's, it's a fun. It's a fun thing. Fun thing to think about, right? So anyways, the King of Leinster lost the war and he was given the boot. So he went to the, he went to England. So when you, when you lose the war as a king, you got to hightail it right before they basically kill you. I mean, or there's, you know, you can submit to, and then it, it's a whole complicated clusterfuck, which is part of the reason why Ireland never unified politically during this age the way um, England and Scotland did. Mm-hmm. It was very, very difficult to actually establish a ruling dynasty. So, but yeah, that's, you know, we, we only have so much hour, so many hours in the day to talk about this. So. <laughs> We got time, unless you got to go somewhere. No, but that's that's something you could like. That's like a dissertation kind of (laughs) getting into that. But um, quick version: the way Ireland and Irish political life worked was it operated on the concept of face. So you, you know, so like you could be the High King of Ireland. But that didn't necessarily mean everybody had to obey you unless you established a certain amount of prestige. Mm-hmm. So you had like uh, Brian Baru when he was trying to unify Ireland. People, you know, they would eventually submit and pay him homage. And then the next season they would find an excuse to, you know, say, fuck it, we're going to have another war and they would do that and they could do that. And it, so it was very decentralized politically all the way down to, you know, the local level. So you could have a King. And if that King wasn't, you know, he, people followed their kings more because of who that king was versus the, any investiture in the office of king. Mm-hmm. So you had, you know, like all kinds of little kingdoms all the way up and down, and there were different ranks in society. And this is all in Ireland, the island, right? Because mm-hmm. then there's Ireland, and then Northern Ireland is part of that's yeah that that comes later. That comes but later. at the time, it was yeah there was some differences down to like Ulster had a certain amount of unity to it, Connacht, Munster and all that. And there was certain, there were were regional cultures. Mm -hmm. So like in Ulster you had um, like Ku Cullen and stories about him and his compatriots versus you had different ones in the South. And it was very, there was a lot of, individual spirit that i mean that persists up to this day mm-hmm. is it's very like there's three 
I think at least three different correct ways to pronounce Irish. Really? The Irish language, yeah. But it's because there's all kinds of regional variants where they're all. Is the Irish language Gaelic? It's uh, Irish Gaelic. Irish. (coughs) Because. Excuse me. But yeah, because there's. Because there's Gaelic culture that spread from Ireland to places like the Isle of Man and Scotland in about this same time period, too. Did you do you follow um, MMA at all? Mm-hmm. So Conor McGregor's made Ireland put Ireland back on the map. He, it, <laughs> yeah. Recent shenanigans sure. aside, yeah. yeah he. Um, well, I just remember in the build up to because um, I'm a huge MMA mm-hmm. guy as well. Um, in the build up to his fight with Khabib uh, Nurmagomedov, uh, Khabib would jab him by going, "How come you don't speak your language? You you speak English." How come you're not speaking your language? You lost your language. Yep, because that's a bit of a touchy subject. Yeah, what's the deal with that? What was the? I mean, I, so, I kind of yeah. have a feel, but what's the deal with all that? You have to fast forward uh, about 700 years to the 1800s. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Yeah, because and then at this point, um, so to wrap up that yeah, totally. other point about. Um, the King of Leinster, he went to the English, uh, an English Lord and said, Hey, um, you know, back me up here and then you can be King of Leinster after I die. And you know, the guy Strongbow, he says, cool. They go, they win cause they have longbowmen and heavy cavalry and, you know, lots of good stuff that Ireland hadn't gotten around to yet. And he, rather than declaring himself King of Leinster, declares himself Lord of Leinster because the English king was still like, hey, um, you're not trying to establish yourself as an independent king, are you? Because, you know, you're still my vassal. And he said, "Uh, no, I'm adding to your domain, sire. (laughs) I'm not doing what your family did. (laughs) This is the whole, whole cluster. Where? That's okay. I think this is a tangent worth it. So at this point you had the Lord of Leinster who was occupying what was traditionally a a kingship while he was also vassal to the King of England who was at, in his capacity as Duke of Normandy, also a vassal of the King of France. Yeah. What's going on here? Feudalism. <laughs> Feudalism. Okay. Shit got all fucked up and they had a lot of wars and yeah. And, <laughs> and that, that's called European history. <laughs> sure. So anyways, they, um, uh, so the English holdings, they expand, they contract, they go back, they go forth until finally, um, just at the end of the reign of Queen Elizabeth, they, uh, get, everything stamped out finally. And they say, okay, we politically control all of Ireland. The Irish Lords, they, you know, sign a piece where they're like, okay, and we'll still be Lords, but we're like English Lords and we'll give up brand law and we'll give up this, that, and the other thing. And then they try to do that. It doesn't work out. There's the flight of the Earls. They say, all right, fuck this. We're going to France. We're going to affect change at a higher level. 
doesn't really work out, but they keep trying. That becomes a running theme in Irish history where they'll, you know, try and rebel. It won't work out. They'll go to France. They'll join the French army to try and fight the English. And it doesn't really ever happen because the French army is more interested in, you know, fighting for France. Mm -hmm. But they didn't, in their defense, they weren't exactly spoiling for choices. (laughs) So they, uh, Okay, so after a while, you know, keeping in mind that at this time, most people are farmers and they're just like, hey, I'm trying to farm my land. I'm just trying to live out here. (laughs) Um, But there were a series of what were called um, Ulster plantation, or there was a, the plantation system, the most famous of which being the Ulster plantations, that's going to come up again. And they where the idea was like, okay, we can't rule the Irish, so let's get rid of them. So they... This is by the, from the English? The This was actually um, started with the Tudors as they were expanding their holdings in Ireland. Most famously, though, and most politically significantly, this was under King James VI of Scotland and first of England. That's that feudalism bit again. Sure, okay where he said, okay, what we'll do here is we'll kick a bunch of them out of Ulster and then we'll bring in some, you know, some Presbyterian Scots in and then they'll hold the land for us because, um, you know, fuck those guys and, you know, fuck the Pope. And there, there was a lot going on that week. So, <laughs> they, were, so they didn't want to have to deal with it anymore. Uh, so that dispossesses the Irish of a lot of their land and they, it leads to a system of tenement farming where the, uh, the native Irish would work the land for British landlords and sometimes Irish, but mostly British. And they would pay, they'd pay their rent in wheat. And, you know, half the shit they grew. So they wound up having to cultivate half their land to pay their rent. And they paid that in wheat. And then the other half, which, you know, in some cases was like half an acre. Mm -hmm. So not a whole lot of land. So they're like, okay, we need something that will, you know, be able to sustain us while, you know, we've only got this shit amount of land to deal with. So what are we going to do? So they grew potatoes which was um, had been introduced from the Americas. Mostly people didn't like to rely on them because they were prone to disease and it was considered lower than eating like bread. Potatoes. Mm. Wow. Well, yeah, I mean, during, um, during the first world war, a bunch of Germans died because they didn't want to eat turnips because it was considered food for animals. And they were like, you know, I'm not going to, like, I, I'd rather starve to death than lower myself to eating animal feed. Jesus Christ. I'm, yeah, but I mean, like... Well, I mean, I remember reading about... Um, side note, I remember reading about the lobster, and at one time it was mm-hmm. considered the cockroach of the sea, and they fed it to prisoners, mm-hmm. and then someone realized this shit is delicious. What yeah. the fuck are we doing here? <laughs> Giving this to prisoners? Mm-hmm. So, food, food, the history of food, too, is another, mm-hmm. another tangent we could get on. 
I mean, history, liter- it's literally everything that's everything. ever happened. That's exactly, yeah. And then you can just specialize or you can just, mm-hmm. but then even when you specialize, you still have to take a wide scope mm-hmm. of everything else. Yeah. So I, uh, my favorite professor from back in school, he was a British historian and he did most of his coursework on the social and political climate that led to the abolition of slavery with focus on one specific abolitionist and that's what he wrote his thesis on yeah because you can you can really narrow it down yeah (laughs) so um potatoes that's right so (laughs) so they were eating potatoes yes which um that was working out okay uh you know it was people used to talk about it uh, talk about ireland the way we talk about like somalia now really where it's like this you know where they they wouldn't have called it this but basically you know a third world hellscape right so they you know and there's a lot of dirt poor peasant farmers who you know were getting by eating potatoes and it's not a great life but damn it it's our life and so you remember how i said that um potatoes were prone to disease sure so in 1845 begins what's called the Great Famine, uh, or you know most people would notice as the Irish Potato Famine. Yeah. And what happens there is the Irish peasantry, who depended on potatoes, couldn't get them because you know disease killing them all. Can't eat, you know, shitty potatoes. Yeah, you can't eat this collection of like quasi fungus and bacteria and shit, you'll die. Right. And they tried and they died because you know, it's moldy. You can't eat that shit. Right. (laughs) It's disgusting. It is. It's it's disgusting and there's no nutritional value. (laughs) So that, so they're eating shitty potatoes or not eating. Or not eating. Yeah. It's it. Yeah. it, It, it does get into some pretty grim shit where like children they'll find children dead on the side of the road with their mouths all green because they were eating grass because they were so hungry oh man yeah shit gets dark this is in the 1840s mm-hmm. 1845 through uh 1848 was Potato that famine. Well, it it was famine all those years, and then it kind of petered out. Eighteen forty seven was the that was the bad one. So what happens there is at this time Ireland had a population of about eight million people. I've seen some where they say it's like oh as much as twelve million, but about eight million. We're still talking about the island, the island itself. Yep. Because at this time it is one political entity, or yeah, it's um, a kingdom, part of the United Kingdom, where it's so it's all under the Westminster government, but they send representatives to that Westminster government, and there's a there's a whole kerfuffle about oh should Catholics be allowed to vote because. Y- you know, fuck the Pope and, you know, they're dirty papists and they'll 
try and overthrow the queen so that they can install the Pope as Lord of Britain. And a lot of racism <laughs> towards the Irish. So yes. Yeah. Yep. Just so much racism. Cause the uh, United Kingdoms, what religion are the Lutheran? Protestant? It's Protestant okay. broadly. Yeah. More specifically, Scotland is Presbyterian, okay. which is just Calvinism in Scotland. Yeah. And then England is Anglican, mm-hmm. or and then sometimes you get like Puritan and right. all kinds of weird sects branching off. So the, the Catholics are looked down right. upon over there. Yep. Gotcha. Okay. Which I mean not I don't know how bad it is now, but like as late as like nineteen like not that long ago, like like you and I were both alive when shit like this was going on where like the Guinness family would disinherit anyone who married a Catholic. Oh wow. Yeah. It was still Yep. Deep. Yeah, no, the ra- the racism runs deep. How old are you? Twenty five. Oh yeah, so you were thirty one. Yeah. yeah, we were probably alive. We were alive mm-hmm. Okay, so Catholics are Catholics are looked down upon over there, right? So, anyways, so there's millions of people starving, and the British government they like try some stuff, but the ultimate response they go with was, you know, if these dirty peasants weren't you know, so slovenly and if they could have controlled their urges better and so they weren't so overpopulated and, you know, why are they even growing potatoes? They knew this would happen. So this is a teachable moment for the Irish people. Oh, on fuck. <laughs> yeah, no, it's because fun fact, Ireland exported food throughout the entire famine. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, uh, no agricultural exports increased with the exception of i mean wheat okay beef you know dairy oh wow farm shit okay so they're exporting food yet yeah the one exception was pork because they fed pigs with potato peels yeah so pigs are getting fucked up yep (laughs) so uh, so what happened, the end result is Ireland goes from a population of 8 million to a population of 4 million. Oh, fuck. Yep. So there, a million people die. Every year? Not every year. Um, um, this is like throughout the whole crisis okay. is round numbers, a million people die, and then millions more leave. So that's oh, how okay. you get Irish in places like America. Right. Because they, you know, they were like, okay, we can stay here and starve or we can, you know, sell everything to try and get away and make a better life for ourselves. A lot of them immigrated here. Yep. Which that, you know, and this is a very touchy subject for Irish national history Mm -hmm. because this doesn't just devastate the population it devastates gaelic culture so you have that's where you start seeing the irish language recede on a mass scale you start seeing people who they 
you know, that the people who knew like the old stories and the people who they knew all the old ways of doing things, they start dying out. Mm-hmm. So you see a resurgence in Irish culture and language and everything starts to die off to the point that they recognize like 20 years later, like, Hey, we need to actively work to preserve this or it is going to go away forever. So that's why it's, you know, a touchy subject when it's like, why don't you speak Irish? And it's like, well, there were several genocides and, you know, it's a sticking point. Mm -hmm. We, you know, dealt with it as best we could, but some things were lost along the way. So when these things, when these, when people were dying and all the genocides, then English started to just take over as far as the language. Yeah, because it's. Well, they're coming here, so they have to learn English. That's part of it, yeah. but it's also, um, you know, the language of commerce starts to change and you start seeing areas clear out and all of these, you know, what used to be, you know, one, two acre plots of land, they all get consolidated into great big agricultural centers. So there's not as many people in the countryside keeping the old ways alive. And, you know, you go to the cities, you know, like you go to Dublin and all that and uh, Belfast, then that's where English is used a lot more because people, you know, that's like the language of commerce. That's you, you know, you're doing business, you got to speak English. So then, you know, you don't speak it as much. Your children don't grow up speaking it. It dies slowly. Mm -hmm. Where it's... um, it get it the end result being that use of irish in everyday speech it becomes restricted to what's called the gaeltacht and that's been receding you know ever since they started measuring it mm. so is it in ireland are people are there still mm-hmm. people communicating in irish gaelic or yep. is it mostly english Mostly it's English, but there are still areas in the West, especially where Irish is still the primary language, Mm -hmm. but it's, you know, that changes because there's not really a practical reason to speak it in most of Ireland because everyone speaks English. Right. So it's funny you mentioned how, or just, it's interesting that you mentioned how Irish culture was the genocides and all this stuff mm-hmm. is going away yet at least here in America, it seems to have such a strong influence on American mm-hmm. culture. You know, things, yep. something like St, you know, even like St. Patty's, it's a huge, I know it's, it's not, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's been bastardized, but it's, uh, that it's such it's, a, it's, I, and what I'm saying is Irish. There's a, there's an Irish mm-hmm. pub everywhere in every city. There's an Irish, yep. there's an Irish influence. Everyone knows about stupid yeah, things like same. leprechauns and all that shit. Like it, it, there's a, definitely a big Irish influence in America, mm-hmm. even though it which was, was going yeah, away in, it's, in Ireland. And that's, you know, part of a diaspora mm-hmm. is people, they spread out, they spread their culture. It gets mixed in things change. But I, I mean, like on the whole, that I think is a good thing mm-hmm. where, you know, more cultures interacting is better. Mm-hmm. But when it like, when it happens because 
your people are dying out mm-hmm. in large numbers, then it's something it where it's a little like, bit of a darker turn. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, not, wait a minute. We're celebrating this because they had to leave. Mm-hmm. That's, that's why this is pervasive in our culture mm-hmm. now. It wasn't because they voluntarily, or it wasn't because like they expanded because they were a healthy society. They yeah. left. It's they, yeah, we're refugees. Yeah. <laughs> Holy fuck. Yeah. So, and yeah, I take, I personally take issue with St. Patrick's Day and the way it's celebrated because the big issue is there's, you know, such a drinking culture around mm-hmm. it. And it's like, it's St. Patrick's Day. Let's go drink like the Irish. And that's Wake up early and get wasted yeah. by three o'clock. Yeah. Where that wear some green isn't, uh, that's very, very rooted in a lot of really, you know, in a lot of stereotypes that were used to justify like the treatment of the Irish during the famine. Mm -hmm. So it's, I mean, I personally am like, ah, you like, I'm not going to be a huge stick in the mud about this, but I'm just not really that into it. Yeah. What, so what, how did that become a thing then? How did St. Patty's, so it's a St. Patrick's or St. Patty? St. Patrick. Patrick. Or Paddy. Paddy. So it's not, not Patty. Okay. Because yeah. that's from the uh, the Irish word for Patrick is Padraig. Mm-hmm. So then you shorten that to Paddy. Mm. So it's, yeah. Okay. One was the patron saint of the Ireland. One was the patron saint of Ireland. Mm-hmm. The other is ground beef. <laughs> so that's another sticking point. Okay. So then how does this become a thing? The, the culture, whole, yeah, I mean, this whole St. Patty's get drunk, drink with I mean, the Irish. What, people like, how are, is this thing? How is this a thing? I mean, like people are always looking for an excuse to party. Right. It's not, but is the Irish culture drinking? Like, what is the, I mean, it's a drinking culture the way like England is a drinking culture. Right. And I use them as, you know, cause they were the supposed more civilized people, but there's, um, a pub culture where people, you know, you meet at your local after the days you, you know, have a few pints, you laugh, you sing some songs, you know, it's all in good fun. And that's becomes part of the culture. And, you know, so that's, you know, everyone does it, but then they, this was also during a time when people were like, how can we make, how can we you know, fix society? How can we find solutions for all these social ills? So one of them was like drinking became a thing and they're like, Oh, you know, these, you know, poor people, if they would stop drinking their paycheck, then they could crawl out of this systemic system of poverty and oppression that we've put them in. And where, you know, a lot of the same shit you hear today, Mm -hmm. they were saying back then. And it's so then there was, you know, the Irish problem for a long time or the Irish question or, you know, shit like racist shit like that, Mm -hmm. where that became the stereotype of like, oh, you know, the morally degenerate papist Catholic Irish who, you know, they just lays about all day drinking and, you know, if they just worked harder and. You know, try if they were just more British, they right. would they wouldn't they really, would make it. They would they wouldn't yeah, be but, where they're at. You know, but it's 
that's not how long-term systematic economic oppression really works. So mm. it's mostly just an excuse to make, to feel better about yourself. Yeah. And it's like, else. Oh yeah, I have this nice middle, you know, comfortable middle-class existence. I sure hope that doesn't come at anyone else's expense. <laughs> you know, it's funny you mentioned the, um, the racism over there. Cause you know, over here, you never hear about this kind of stuff. You always think about racism towards other, you know, whites towards other races. Mm-hmm. You never hear about white on white crime over there. You know, it's not something I've ever. I mean, really that was about, really. a thing in the United States at the turn of, or you know, right after this period where they get a huge influx of immigrants, what mm-hmm. was called the Great Migration. You do see like the Know Nothing Party, and even like the KKK. They'll go after Catholics, especially were on their shit list because you know they used to be English and you know, that racism runs deep. Mm -hmm. And so there was a built in anti-Catholic sentiment or anti, um, anti-immigrant where they're like, you know, these dirty peasants are going to work, ruin our perfect white waspy culture. And, you know, we just can't have that. So, you know, we better put on our robes and, you know, go to a, a whole bunch of racist shit. Sure. It's it's crazy that Catholicism was looked down upon mm-hmm. over there, and yet now it's in America. It seems like a very it's the largest single denomination. Yeah, but it's. I went to a Catholic grade school, mm-hmm. and I, I never thought being a Catholic would make someone look down upon you. Yep, it's crazy. <laughs> that racism runs deep. That's <laughs> but only the English were um, racist towards Catholics. No, there that was a thing. Because, you know, they're like how we've got like race riots today. Yeah. They had like religious wars and the 30 years war. And so it was, um, you know, where it became something where there was a lot of political power wrapped up in religion. Mm -hmm. So the, you know, if you go against the state religion, you're going against the king. Because there was no separation between church and state, right? Which is why things like separation of church and state are a great fucking idea and why they put it in the fucking constitution. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Yep. I do not want, uh, I don't want any religion running my government. No. That's, that's just too much of a conflict of interest. No, it's, governments are there so that you always have someone backing you up for all the fun stuff you want to do. Like have free speech and, you know, drink and you know, sleep around and all the other fun stuff. And then church is there. So the day after you've got someone to be like, okay, like maybe I didn't make the best choices, <laughs> but I'm not, come on. I'm not a bad guy. Right. I'm not a bad guy. I just like to have a little fun. Yeah. I mean, I'll try to do better next time. It's like, bless me father for I have sinned. I, I'll admit it. I got fucked up last night. <laughs> and that's what church is for. Yeah. So that's why you still see that though. Um, and I, I don't have a, a worldview of every country, but you still see a lot of um, religion running um, government in like, the Middle East. And, mm-hmm. um, a lot of uh, Islam Islamic countries have still religion running government. Mm-hmm. So where, because that's again a way to legitimize your political power. It's like, hey, why does this one guy make all the decisions? Maybe like we could all like let you know they've got democ. Let's try democracy. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, if you come back like, well, you see, 
God said this is how it's supposed to be, so shut up. Right. Once once and, you have that kind of backing. Yeah, and then once you're in the Middle East, I mean in like a lot of absolute monarchies there, then there's also like shut you know, it's like shut up and take your oil money check and we'll not worry, you know, we'll hear no more of it. Mm-hmm. Which that's there there are some funny stories about uh during the Arab Spring. You had, you know, places like Egypt and Libya, there were big uprisings. And then the, so you had people in places like Qatar were like looking around like, hey, do we want to get in on that? And while they were doing it, they're like, you know, the king or emir comes out and he was like, okay, okay. I know there's been some talk of like popular sovereignty. So I built you a nice parliament building. You can go there anytime you want. But wouldn't you rather all like, get on great big yachts with all of this oil money, which by the way, you're all getting a raise. So do we really need to, you can, if you want, (laughs) do you really want to? Right. Look how great you have it over here. No, where I mean like, yeah, some of those places where it's like your life, like your life literally could not get better. What more do you want? Right. And then you do get less hilarious cases where in places like Afghanistan, that's a way to, get people behind you because they're, you know, like people, you know, they like their religion. Mm -hmm. That's their culture. In most cases, it's fine. In some cases, it's horrible. But that's a way, like even in America, you see that where they tie political causes to religiosity. Sure where it's a way to communicate with people and it's a way to get people behind you where you say like, Hey, why are we fighting the Soviets? They've got tanks and jet planes and shit. And we're on like, you know, we're just some dudes in a cave. Why are we doing this? It's like, well, they're fucking with our religion. You know, like, do you want to deal with that? No. Right. It's a, it's a rallying where especially in places where you don't have a lot of nationalism, mm-hmm. then it's people, you know, where, cause again, most people don't really give a fuck about nationalism if left to their own devices. Right. They're kind of like, I'm just trying to get through the day, you know, make it to closing time so I can go to my local, have a few pints. Don't really need to worry about like, you know, like what is Britain? Right. Like, I'm just not, I'm just a dude hanging out. (laughs) Yeah. We're living like, Hey, God wants this. You know, they're like, they're trying to change your religion. It's like, well, shit. Who are they to tell me what fucking God I should pray to? Mm -hmm. I like this one. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much. And you know, we can fight about it. If you, all right, we're fighting about this. Right. It's a much easier way to rally people to. Yeah. Versus, I mean, now in like America, you could just say like, Hey, they're fucking America. And you're like, fuck them right they hate they hate america okay well then now we have to get after them right yeah so that's an easy way to mm-hmm. that's dangerous though it's dangerous to get the mob riled up right yeah <laughs> yep <laughs> when you as someone that's studied history like you have you look at how it, how things are today and just kind of look back at history and go this is kind of where i could see this going or are we not learning so, anything? Or? I mean, people don't learn anything because... Never, never. 
Well, because again, like most people, they're just trying to make it till closing time. So, you know, they can go to their local and have a few pints with their mates. Right. That like. No one's invested in history right now. Most people. Most Most people people in general just don't really like they allocate so many of their daily fuck allowance that when you start getting into like daily fuck allowance, I like that. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> where, you know, they start, you get to the point where it's like, okay, we need to worry about these grand sweeping historical changes. They just don't have any more fucks to give. Right. They're like, I'm sorry. I really hate my job. Like, you know, like I used up all my fucks mining coal today. Like right. maybe like, tr- let's talk about it on Sunday. But like for right now, just leave me the fuck alone and, you know, let me just chill out. Right but yeah so that's why people don't learn from history uh my perspective having studied history uh things are real bad right now yeah it is not time to panic yet okay uh this is going to be a i think defining moment going forward is to how we respond to this this lunacy and this <laughs> just this insanity were that has been pushed out to the forefront. When did this start building in your opinion? Always. It's just this always is, been- this is something that's been woven into the fabric of American life is this, you know, I mean, not just the racism, Because, I mean, that was something that's been building up literally since they finished the draft of the Constitution. Mm -hmm. It's not, and also arguably before that, because, you know, there were slaves before that, but then they didn't start coming out with like, oh, it's, it'll civilize them. It was more like, well, they were selling, we were buying. It's, you know, like, I mean, yeah, we're not thrilled with the idea but we also have bills to pay and you know we have this very comfortable lifestyle we want to keep so maybe let's like just not we'll worry about it later let's not talk about it's that's future america's problem right (laughs) so that's what i mean but Uh yeah there was you know obviously slavery and that was bad and there was racism because the racism runs deep and so there was so that isn't to say there was no racism before then, but then that's when you start getting it built into American society where it's like, you know, racial superiority at the institutional level. So you have that, uh, you've got, you know, religious traditions weren't as much of a force at this time, but you do see revivals and you do see evangelicalism spread not long after. So you see stuff like that, but you know, you also see, you know, this demagoguery that, you know, that our current president whose name, I can't bring myself to speak. So you don't like him? No, no, I don't. (laughs) Okay. No, there, there are many unkind things that I have to say about him. (laughs) So feel free to speak your mind. Oh, He's a he's a bully, mm-hmm. a fear monger, a hate monger, 
He is someone who is overcompensating for very, very deep personal flaws. He's someone who doesn't care about anyone other than himself. Where, like, I, as a mental exercise, when I was particularly mad about a certain thing that had been done that I, we we won't get into all that, but I started thinking, what's the worst possible thing that could be done to this person? And so, you know, being a historian, I know, like, all the cool executions from around history, like, <laughs> you know, there's, like, the ordeal of the boats, there's you know, crucifixion, all that stuff. My favorite's the one where they put the rat on you Mm -hmm. and they light up the bucket so that the rat has to crawl its way out through your stomach. Ah, good times. Yeah, those are fun. Yep. (laughs) Right. But it occurred to me that the worst possible thing you could do to this man wouldn't be, you know, any of these horrific punishments. There would be a Roman punishment called Damnatio Memoria. Okay, what's this? So that's where they strike your name from their history. Oh. So that's, you know, like everything with your name on it, they knock it all down. They erase you. So, so you never existed? I, as best they could. I mean, right. you, you That never, would probably be the worst thing you could do to him. Yeah, where it's just like, you know. this is all ego. Yep. A lot of this is ego for him. Yep. And then that's when I realized, like, this is such a sad, lonely, pathetic man that he, like, the worst thing you could do to him is just erase his name from history. Right. Where it's, like, not, like, boil him alive or anything like that. or Because he'd still, in some ways, be happy. Because he's, like, you know, being talked I about. had the best execution. I was, you know, the most everyone saw it. I was on. I like that you're, you're doing a little impression and your, your hands start I going like so Trump. <laughs> you're, you're doing the, the hand thing as you, as you imitate him. That's fantastic. Yep. I, I, I like to go you do things properly. <laughs> when you, if you must do them, do them properly. <laughs> Is there anyone in history that you can, you can compare to him? There are some, some, it's never. There, have there been? Let's say. Let's start off like this. Are there any American presidents that you could compare to him? The closest would be Andrew Jackson. Okay. Um, the exception being so that fifth or oh no, he was the he was. I d- I don't remember yeah. the exact number, but he 1800s? one of the early ones. Yeah, okay. early eighteen hundreds. So it was he made his name in the War of eighteen twelve. You on the ten dollar bill? Twenty. Twenty. There we go. He he also did a lot of really harmful stuff like he was the person who first popularized the idea of campaigning oh god yeah I yeah hate, i fucking hate campaigning. Yep. <laughs> yeah so that's where it's like hey how all these politicians need a lot of money to run these big campaigns it's our boy andy <laughs> isn't it weird not to make this go off too on a tangent but isn't it weird that i mean i yes we should all have the right to vote mm-hmm it's kind of strange that we elect our president with a popularity contest. I mean, I know. I mean, if it makes you feel better, we don't. Yeah, we we don't because we have the electoral college, right? And also a certain somebody lost the popular vote. Right. But still, even though you would, you would think there's a better way for, wouldn't you want just a bunch of smart people to figure it out? 
Well, one you'd have to trust these smart people, obviously. Yeah. One thought exercise that I've put into it would be to do it like how most of the rest of the world elects their heads of government to, you know, one degree or another where that's called uh, the Westminster system. Okay. Where they have like parliament or the Doyle or whoever, they'll be like, okay, we won the elections. You know, we, you know, we have all the seats in government or, you know, or it's like us and our friends have all the seats in one way. So it's like, okay, so this guy is prime minister or uh, Taoiseach or whoever. So you elect all the members of the parliament and mm-hmm. then they decide amongst themselves who would be the, the prime minister. So that's, like that. yeah, that's one idea. Mm-hmm. One problem is that the, the American president is the head of state and the head of government. Mm-hmm. So versus like in England, you have the head of state who's, you know, the queen and she does a lot of the ceremonial stuff. And, you know, she embodies like the idea of the United Kingdom and more like, Hey, this is the face we want to project onto the world versus the United States. It's, you know, the same guy who's also running everything. Mm -hmm. So then you, you know, I'm not a political scientist, so I not a hundred percent clear on all the advantages of doing it that way. But then you, you know, you get a chance to, break up some of that power mm-hmm. and some of that prestige and you like uh, Ireland. I'm, I like their political system because in a lot of ways it combines the best of the American style and the best of the Westminster style mm-hmm. where that's, I mean, was very deliberate on their part where they're like, okay, we're doing things like the British now, but fuck the British. So let's they're um, Eamon de Valera, who was the first like big head honcho who ran an independent government. He was actually an American citizen. He was born in the United States uh, to, I think, um, Spanish father of some kind. Mm-hmm. I think Dominican maybe, or I, I don't remember exactly, but Latin American father. And he, you know, grew up a little bit in the States before coming back to Ireland. So he had a bunch of ideas of like, okay, we should have a president instead of, you know, a king or whoever. And, you know, like, I like the idea of a Senate. So maybe we should have that too. And, and it works pretty well. It works well over there. I mean, of late, there was a little bit where, you know, you just had a new country, very messy divorce and there's some fighting and. So it took a little while to get everything established and De Valera even himself had a really stereotypical idea of the country as like, oh, we'll have like the rural peasantry. Uh, for those of you who are at home. How do you spell his name? E-A-M. Or yeah, you can just, yeah, Amen and then space D-E, De Valera. Yep. Now for those of you at home who can't see Anthony pulling up the pictures, Basically, uh, you're going to want to picture Alan Rickman. Yeah. That's, he played him in the movie, did a fantastic job. Shockingly accurate. Really? Yeah. (laughs) Neiman de Valera. Yep. He was the, 
first, I think he was the first T-Shock, but he's uh, very much was like a founding father of the modern Irish state. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Second T-Shock, according to the Wikipedia. Oh, you, you, you trust Wikipedia? For something like that, it's uh, Wikipedia is good for like quick, 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 like who was the, you know, 15th president. Right. Stuff like that, where it's like it's there's not really too much controversy to it. Mm-hmm. But it's once you start getting into the particulars, then that's when uh, you need to be more careful. One thing, though, that, you know, research tip for all you aspiring history majors out there. Yeah. They do list all their sources at the bottom. Yeah. So that can serve as a starting point. To click for, on the, the citations. Um, or oh. just to be like, oh, this book. Right. You read this book Got and it. then, you know, leads to one, leads to right, the other, right, leads right. to the next and next. I'm on, uh, I'm on Wikipedia all the time. Mm-hmm. Just trying to learn. Yeah, I know. Cause it is a good idea. The problem is, you know, when any old jackass can write anything, it's not, you know, you're, yeah, you're, it, you're not going to have a perfect understanding. Mm-hmm. So, Andrew Jackson, most yep. like the guy we got in office now. He was, was Trump. yeah, he was um, the original populist, and he was the first popu- uh, the first politician to really like rile up support at the lowest levels of society, which a lot of our founding fathers were against because you know the classism runs deep. Mm-hmm. So they were like, you don't really want the mob running things because you know they're the mob right which they kind of had a point <laughs> yeah uh but it is yeah he had that idea of like you know let's turn the campaign into a spectacle and let's you know do all this you know and come up with this fictional backstory of him as like you know the log party kind of guy and you know, his rugged outdoorsman who was, you know, he, he was part of the 1% too. Mm-hmm. He was, had a very privileged upbringing. Mm-hmm. So that's the closest historical figure, which he, in my opinion, should not be on the $20 bill. He, Why is he on there? Because for a while, I mean, he was, you know, he was like a great man in history and you know, when people weren't thinking too hard about it, he was like, ah, yeah. And he, you know, got those damn natives off the land and, you know, cleared it so we could civilize it. And Anthony does not have a 20. I on do not have moment. a 20. I was looking in my wallet as you spoke. See if I could pull out a 20. I don't. Nope. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, for a while people were like, yeah, he was a great president and, you know, he did all these great things. And then as it, turns out a lot of the things he did were kind of shitty Mm. one especially was fucking with um the national bank or it's i I don't remember what they used to call the fed but Mm. the central bank where you know those exist for a reason and like it's not you know no one likes the bank and no one likes you know the bank is the man no one likes the man right sometimes you need the man though yeah you know because Somebody has to, you know, regulate fiscal policy. Yeah. Or otherwise, you know, you know, you get hyperinflation or 
bad bad shit happens. Bad shit happens. <laughs> also, not an economist, but <laughs> can tell you from a historical perspective, bad shit happens. So, your boy, I'm yeah, gonna refer to him as your boy. Your boy in office gets yeah. elected because of the electoral college. Mm-hmm. Do you think? Are you a fan of the electoral college? Not the way it's done now. My thought would be like if I could make a suggestion. Mm-hmm. I don't know if like or the Senate sure. listens. To yeah, this. I'm pretty sure they listen. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, Mr. Speaker, Mr. Senate Majority Leader, here's an idea: where have the House of Representatives nominate a candidate for president, and then have the Senate confirm them. Mm-hmm. Where it's, I'm sure there's a lot of good reasons not to do that. Mm-hmm. I'm just thinking like that sounds better than what we're doing now, where each state has its own dumbass individual popularity contest, and then winner take all, and it's like. Each state's weighted more than other states. Like it's, there's a reason not to do a direct popular vote. It's it's a reason because then the big cities would always just declare the president. Part of it. And then it's, you know, you can't, the idea isn't to have majority rule. It's to have consensus rule. So you don't, you know, you don't want it to be like 51% said we're doing this. So that's what we're doing. You want like, okay ideally everyone would just agree but that's unrealistic and hey maybe you want some outside voices so you want like 60 70 80 percent of people being like okay this is the right course of action mm-hmm. Which, well, that's not what happened right no that's there that's not what, or that's not what happens with the electoral college right now no and it's not what really happens with american politics anymore right because fun fact the system wasn't designed to handle parties mm. which so that's why you get like gridlock in the senate because instead of each person voting their conscience you get ah i have to vote with my party and right. so if I there's just always gridlock and there's always just yep whenever a party gets elected there's they're basically undoing the shit the other party did which, I mean, that's why political parties in general are a bad idea and why our founding fathers initially restricted voting to, you know, you want the best of the best voting. You can't let the mob vote, but my God, they could vote for anything. <laughs> Which, you know, again, also is not great. Mm-hmm. It's just one of, you know, like Winston Churchill said, democracy is the worst form of government aside from all the other ones we've tried. <laughs> There's no, there's no perfect system. No, and it's if especially at scale. Yeah, and especially you know, ten percent of everyone is an asshole. <laughs> it's like ten percent are great people, ten percent are assholes, and then there's like the rest yes. of us uh, at the t- peak of the bell curve, just kind of you know working our nine to five, trying to get to a closing time so we can go to our local, have a few pints, right? Which that's you know the rest of us, so. In a perfect system, the 10% who were the best would just run everything and it would all work out. Question becomes, how do you decide who's, you know, that 10% and how do you measure that? Yep. Well, you think your boy is going to be elected again? I honestly have no idea at this point (laughs) because this is, uh, this is, um, 
really said shit's bad right now. Yeah. I don't know what's going to happen. I can tell you that the Democrats are shooting themselves in the foot every step of the way. Yeah. So that's like, I don't know whatever like backroom nonsense needs to happen, but they need to like either get it narrowed down to two people or they need to just like be like, okay, we won't say it yet because we we still have the primaries, but this guy's our guy. Mm -hmm. Uh, That guy should not be Bernie Sanders. It Mm -hmm. should not be like Elizabeth Warren, I think would be a good candidate, but that's, yeah, that's, Isn't Ugh, it sad that uh, that's how I know her? Yeah, because he he he's so pervasive with those nicknames, and it just becomes ingrained in your cult, in your in your which brain. is yeah part of the the bullying tactics yeah, that he it's has. Just or you know someone like that where it's like okay, just like a nice middle of the road, you know, like I have you know good resume, just kind of a very. A very okay sort of, like, we don't, this isn't the time for a revolution. Mm -hmm. This is the time to, like, get back on track, Mm -hmm. take stock of where we are as a society. And then if we want to have the revolution after that, we can talk about it. But, like, not this week, guys. Like, just everyone, like, everyone rally behind a strong candidate, start pushing out there, like, hey, you know, smart guy or growl or whoever is you know very respectable clean cut etc etc presidential yep someone presidential yeah how does this happen that uh, how does how does it get to a point where trump gets elected like this yeah is that 2016 or 2020 2016. So how does, he, how does he, I mean, other than the Democrats nominating probably one of the worst candidates ever to be nominated to compete against him. Well, that's, that's part of it was that everyone knew in like 2008 election night, Barack Obama won. I think everyone was kind of like, okay, probably we're going to have eight years of Barry. Everybody oh, knew. Barry. Yeah. <laughs> That's what my mom calls him. <laughs> Barry, okay. Yeah, Barry and Shelly. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, keep yeah. going. Uh, so everyone knew that Hillary Clinton was going to run. So they spent eight years smearing her name mm-hmm. and dragging her name through the mud and doing the best they could to, you know, get their base riled up to crush her. Mm-hmm. So that's what the Benghazi hearings were about where it's like, yeah, it's sad that things went down the way they did, but like the whole point of everything the Senate did was to smear her name. Mm -hmm. So it's not so much that she was a bad candidate. It's that they had, you know, scorched the earth around her and, you know, she wanted to be president. I, I mean, I think she would have been fine as president, like as, you know, I I don't know if she would have been like great or even like not sucky, but very middle of the road, Mm -hmm. very like, Hey, let's all, you know, it's like, all right, female president, right. Got that off the to-do list. Sure. Um, so that was part of it where 
they, you know, did everything they could to make sure that they would win in 2016. The other part of it was the, so you know how like Fox News will say something and the Republicans will say something and on and on and on. <clears throat> so yeah, got a bit of cold. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, internet. You're good. Um, so they've been working that con for a little while now. Mm-hmm. So they've been, you know, like trying to make sure a certain subset of the population identifies very strongly with their message. Cause they, you know, their goal was like, okay, we have this idea of like, fuck poor people. So how do we keep doing that? Cause most people are going to be like, Hey, what do you mean? Like I need, you know, like unemployment. I just got laid off. What do you mean? I'm lazy and should just get back to what? Like, fuck you. I'm, so, how, so their scheme was like, okay, how do we get, you know, this big money, big time pro business agenda how do we package that in such a way that, you know, people will actually vote against their own best socioeconomic interest? So what they did was they tied it to the religious right and they tied it to, you know, I'll say to racism. Sure. So they tied all of that together into this package deal. And they, you know, but they were like, okay, we can't let the mob run everything. Like, I mean, by God, who knows what they vote for? They might reimpose tariffs. Right. That would be, who would be dumb enough to do that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> United States bringing you the best fiscal policy 1700 has to offer. <laughs> I, I don't remember when Adam Smith wrote The Wealth of Nations, but everything we've done as a country in terms of you know, tariffs and trade wars and all that. That was shit that people figured out was bad Mm -hmm. centuries ago. So, you know, fun fact. Nice. So, um, side note, you need to, uh, if the guys from voice from the underground are listening to this, you guys should have Jimmy on sometime. It's a politics and pop culture podcast. I think you do great. (laughs) All right, maybe <laughs> we'll see. I like to I like giving people my opinion on things. I, yeah, you're you're good at that. You're a good historian, and you're good at uh, giving your opinion. Continue. Okay. Um, but anyway, so the big money people they kept the mob at bay because you know that's nobody wants mob rule. Mm-hmm. Um. So. Like Reagan, for example, like evangelicals would get mad at him because he wasn't, you know, he didn't have, he wasn't religiosity enough for them. Mm-hmm. And he was like, fuck them. What are they going to do? Vote for Barry Goldwater? Which, you know, that's basically how, and, and again, this is a really broad strokes. And like I said, American history wasn't totally my thing. I, you know, did my coursework like everybody else, but mm. never really captured my interest. So this is again, broad strokes. 
So about 1980, you've got religious right, big money, you know, all of them there and on one side. And then you've got Democrats in the corner who were just kind of everyone else. And uh, I'm going to be totally honest. They're like just kind of there mm-hmm. a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. So that exists until you get, you know, one scared, lonely little boy who, you know, even though he had a reality show and his name everywhere he could possibly put it, he never quite found daddy's love. (laughs) So he had this idea of, I know I'll run for president and then everyone will love me. And, you know, I'll, you know, and then I'll maybe finally fill that empty place inside me. So he basically said the, you know, the quiet parts out loud. And he said what, you know, the Republican party been like hinting at like, Hey, you know, those people. And, you know, where he said like, you know, Brown people bad. Right. They're not bringing their best over here. The, yeah, the condensed version of Trumpism. Right. (laughs) You know, when he was running, I didn't actually think he wanted to be president. No one did. That's, I thought I, he was I, just yeah. doing it just to fucking do it because it was the next thing he wanted to do. Yep. Did you think? Did you actually think he wanted nope. to win? Nope. Nope. Didn't think he was either. <laughs> yeah. So fun, interesting sidebar yeah. that might make it into the histories one day. So the night of the election, 2016, I you know was drinking because everyone was. Mm-hmm. I don't know why you wouldn't be. <laughs> Um, and so then I was like, you know, like the rest of the country, just kind of slowly the horror started getting realer and realer. So I drank more and more. Mm -hmm. So needless to say, I was pretty, so I'm, I'm sure you've done this before where like the next day you're that weird mix of you wake up, you're sort of hungover, but you're still drunk. Yeah. So that was my next day. And I had that three, next day is like a Wednesday, I believe, right? Yep. The election was on a Tuesday night. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. So it's Wednesday. I go into class and this, I had three classes that day. These were the topics. I am not making this up. The black death, the rise of fascism, venereal disease. <laughs> Those were the three lectures I attended that day. <laughs> How appropriate, huh? Yep. So you think what Trump's doing is he, so he's, he's fascist. Mm, I'm jumping. Yeah, over here, that's, yeah, it's not a one-to-one comparison, but he's definitely, you know, fascism curious at least. Mm-hmm. And he's very much, you know, a lot of that same energy. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's, like people compare him to Hitler, mm. which is, it's not it's always helpful because yeah. it's, and it, that like the problem is people used to compare everyone to Hitler. Yeah. And it's like that, you know, wasn't like swinging a miss there, buddy. Right. So it became hyperbole 
to be like, oh, he's just like an, the Nazis. Right. That's not a very nuanced way to, to, to look at no, it. No, but then it's like you do a side-by-side comparison. It's like, there's a lot of the same talking points there. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of the same, like I said, a lot of that fascism energy mm-hmm. is, you know, is part of this thing that is happening. Well, to uh, at least for us, he doesn't, I don't, I mean, I don't know how Hitler, like the nuance of how he got to where he was, but at least for us, we have a little bit of a check on him in terms of, or check on the president in general in terms of Senate and House. Which, yeah, is how it's supposed to run. Right. However, that um, is very much dependent on the character and the honor of the people holding those offices. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, you know, the Senate and the House of Representatives are supposed to determine, are they're supposed to legislate. And for a while now, and it was a slow transition, but presidents would run on a platform. It would be like FDR is, again, like one of those big moments where he's like, hey, I have a plan to solve this and that's what i'm going to run and you know i mean he was elected four times so how you know so it's like people like yeah that's a good idea and Mm -hmm. they come in so it becomes a situation where the president is acting more as the head of the democrat democratic or republican party and he's rather than like the you know the congress making the laws and the president enforcing them, it becomes more this party is in power. So that is what we are doing, Mm. which is an idea. It wasn't the, the idea that we went into this whole America thing with Mm -hmm. because they were like, Hey, that's, you know, you go over to Britain, they've got party gridlock and people can't like, cross party lines to you know get shit done and we we just let's just all be individuals Mm -hmm. and so you know we're the best of this society let's all get together and you know like the next day so you know they're like how about maybe we don't do that and let's just have the federalist and anti-federalist party and you know to george washington's credit he stayed above it all but you know, his predecessors didn't, or his successors did not. Yeah, it seems like, I mean, we're definitely in a mm-hmm. gridlock system now where yep. anyone jumps party lines, they're yep. they're basically done. Pounced on, where you've yeah. got people who supposedly respect the military talking shit about John McCain for now, where it's like, honestly fuck you. Like if you want to be like, I disagree with his decision to vote against repealing the affordable care act. Fine. fine. Yeah. I can, but if you want to be like, Oh, he's some stupid, you know, rhino cuck. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. And he, you know, he got captured. So that's not real heroism. It's like, you know what? You can go fuck yourself. Yeah. That's honestly, you, and, and again, this is something where it's like, 
you are claiming to like you're shitting all over like Colin Kaepernick for kneeling during the anthem. Yeah, respect the troops. And you're saying like this is about respecting the troops and you're actively disrespecting the troops and you're actively disrespecting someone who gave up years of their life, their health, their he was savagely Yeah, tortured. he was literally fucking tortured yeah. and you're saying like oh that you know he I like my heroes not captured or something what do you mean? And it's like well meanwhile cadet fucking bone spurs. Right. <laughs> how's how's that? Because you you know obviously you serve in the mili- you serve the military mm-hmm. and he is like, the the head of he's the guy he's the, that he's the, honestly uh, nothing chief. it made me sick to think that that you know to go in every day and see his picture on the wall well I was in the reserve so it wasn't every day mm-hmm. but you know and he's he's the guy that can decide your yeah, where it's like, hey, maybe we should go and, you know, station you at the border. And it's like, fuck you. You're going to take me away from, you know, my life. You're going to affect my unit's mission readiness so that you can scare up your base about brown people. Like, fuck you. Right. That's for us. So. <laughs> That's got to be a weird, weird thing to live with. Yep. To, to disagree that strongly with the person that is your commander. Mm-hmm. Jeez. <laughs> but yeah, so well hopefully um for your sake he doesn't get reelected, huh? <laughs> we'll Not we'll see, sake, but right? yeah, this is it's we're like I said, I'm just trying to get to the end of the day so I can go to my local and have <laughs> have a few pints with my mate. That that's where I'm at right now. Yeah. It's like, okay, there's and I, I like, I mean, I don't know where like anyone besides my wife is at with all this, but you know, it's something where try and get through this as best you can, but mm. don't like just completely pretend like it's not happening. Mm. Like you don't have to like be out there like on the streets, you know, marching every day. Cause you know, we've got, jobs and lives and to live. lives to live yeah. and yeah I, that's that's kind of my perspective on it is i'm not inundating myself in it yeah but i'm aware right like check in every so often you know if something shitty is happening call your congressman probably they won't listen because they've already decided what they're going to do because that's what their party's doing but yeah this is a rough then this yeah. is kind of a rough time huh like i said <laughs> shit's pretty bad yeah it's not time to panic yet yeah but it is um like i said this is a deciding moment for who we are as a society Mm -hmm. is this is you know this is going to be what america is to ourselves and to the rest of the world going forward Mm -hmm. where if you of you know a whole large chunk of time where this crypto fascist shit show with you know politics that fell out of practice in the 17th century are running amok 
and people are actively preaching hate Mm -hmm. on the floor of the Senate, you're, this won't be America anymore. Mm -hmm. That's like, maybe it, you know, we'll, maybe it'll still call itself America, but that's because this country Mm -hmm. isn't like a people like, you know, France is France because that's where all the French people are. Right. You know, you know, Spain is Spain because that's where all the Spaniards are. Right. Chinese, so on Mm -hmm. and so forth. Yeah. America is an idea. It's the idea that no one is above the rule of law, that, you know, everyone is endowed with inalienable rights to, you know, try and make the best life for themselves without having to worry about the status of their birth, the color of their skin. And, you know, obviously we've never gotten there, but at least we fucking tried. Mm -hmm. And if we reelect this monster into the white house, we've given up trying. Is there anywhere else in history where they've tried an experiment like America? Are there any countries currently like this? Not, I mean, most countries are kind of like this light America. I mean, it's the same ideas where it's like, Hey, maybe we should just kind of let people do their own thing Mm -hmm. is, you know, the idea the american idea is like hey let's just kind of all do our own thing so people are like hey i kind of like just being left to do my own thing so that's kind of what most of like western europe is doing a lot of europe has a lot of different culture now it's a lot of it's what a lot of places are aspiring to places where you know europe ran roughshod over them are still trying to piece themselves together after that but that's the idea a lot of people are because you know it's a good idea mm-hmm. i'd say so yeah i like it <laughs> so that's the you know so there's a lot of places like that mm-hmm. in terms of like systems of government and like the mechanics of like hey let's have a system let's put a system of government in place where everyone can just kind of do their own thing with their lives, then you have to look back to most recently would be, you know, the United Kingdom and well, England, then later the United Kingdom, because they were, you know, that's where we came from. Mm -hmm. So that's where we got like the proto idea. So that's where, you know, you had like the Magna Carta where, you know, the, all the knights and barons got together and like, okay, now, this doesn't apply to the serfs, but what if just us, what if just us got to like, just do our own thing. Let's just chill. We're, we can do it. Yeah. Just us. And then like, you know, the King's got to ask us for money. You know, he can't just take it. And like, what if we could just do our own thing? And then, you know, that evolves into parliament. And I mean, like, there were other legislative bodies like that, but in like a lot of cases they were just like, you know, the King needs to walk in like, Hey guys, where, where are we at as a country? Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm going to do this. Thanks. Isn't it um, kind of flawed though? We started America with that idea. Yep. But then we also had slavery. Yep. So that already starts off on a 
yep. shitty foot. <laughs> it's a great idea, but yep. you're not fully dipping your toe in the water. Yeah, if the United States had abolished slavery upon its creation, and I'm taking this from um, the guy whose name I can't remember who does Revolutions, the Revolutions podcast. Google it. I got the fucking yeah. right here. So while, I, while, you I'm, it, while you tell me. Yeah, I'm jacking his words here, so props to that guy. But if we had abolished slavery right out of the gate, it would Mike have Duncan. been Mike Duncan. Yep. It would have been the greatest revolution in world history, but we didn't. But we didn't. And it, were there people that wanted to do it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but because the problem that they ran into was the the system of cash crops in the South worked on credit, so it was you know the yeah they didn't have credit cards and shit, but. Just to give us a modern example, uh, Thomas Jefferson would go, he'd, you know, swipe his plastic really quick to buy his, like, not a farmer, so, like, whatever agricultural shit he needed for the coming year. And then he's like, okay, when I get my harvest in, you know, then we'll... I'll pay back. You know, so it's like, all right. So, you know, they bring in their harvest, they pay their debts, and, you know, pocket a nice profit. Mm -hmm. Which all of that is, you know, agriculture, nothing wrong with that, except a lot of that profit and a lot of that not having to, you know, a lot of that, what made it work was I don't have to pay the labor. Uh, I just have to like pay for food and all that. And I just got to keep them alive. Yeah. And in chains. Right. Uh, which is the part no one really wanted to talk about. Right. Cause, and even them, they recognize like, this is kind of a shitty thing we're doing, but if we don't do it like this, our entire agricultural system and like our whole way of life is going to come to a grinding halt. And you know, that's going to upend the apple card and there's not, and then, you know, obviously some racism where it's like, it's not like, it's not They're big. Africans. Is it right. really that big a deal? And right. it, it was, but they. Well, know. there's not enough people probably that were willing to give up that that life, yeah, that money. Where, yeah, because they don't. They didn't want to confront the fact that their prosperity was coming at the expense of other people. Mm-hmm. So that's why, like in the Constitution, they say persons in bondage instead of slaves, because mm-hmm. they were like they didn't want to like. It's like now how people are like, I don't want to think about how like my computer and iPhone and shit are all coming from a sweatshop in Taiwan and or not Taiwan, China. Mm-hmm. Taiwan here is actually very nice, but I've, yeah, I've heard good things about Taiwan. I've never been myself, and but anyways, <laughs> uh, but I digress. So that's kind of like how it was now, where it's like most people aren't like. You know, like, you know, massively like, oh, this is a good thing for the Chinese because it will civilize them and it will, you know, teach them how to be, you know, not Chinese, Mm -hmm. et cetera, where that's where they were at in a lot of ways where they're like, this will, this, you know, this is where it's, that's where they were right. They were, 
we're at where we are now in terms of like our phones and shit or they're like, it's, I mean, yeah, it's not great, but like, I also, you know, what am I supposed to do? Not have an iPhone. (laughs) Yeah. Where it's, and then a little bit where it's like, and besides they're other people, they're not my people. So who cares? Right, right, right. Which is racist. Right. That's, Um, which yeah so then as time went on it started to get harder to be like hey you know you're enslaving people maybe don't and that's when they started to have to come up with all the other like oh it civilizes them and we're giving them you know western civilization and christianity and etc etc and you know that's where you start seeing more of like the long-term white supremacy type type stuff really take hold, mm-hmm. especially amongst the poor whites because they were like, you know, they were dirt poor and barely scratching out a living, you know, but they could say, well, at least I'm not a slave. Like right. I'm they still feel better about themselves. By like I'm still a free man. And right. So that's where you start getting, and you know, like even, to give you an example, when the Irish came to America, mm-hmm. they pounced on that a lot where they're like, hey, I'm Catholic and I'm Irish, but at least I'm not black. Yeah. And that was part of their inroad. There was a lot of other things, but you know, the fact that the melatonin levels were compatible was a big part of it. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. If only we would have just abolished slavery. And it's, yeah, it would have been great, but it's, that's the one thing I hate about history is like, you, you want to do like the choose your own adventure thing where it's like, nope, this didn't work. Go back and, you know, try it, you know, this time I'll go left, Mm -hmm. but you you can't do that. What are your thoughts on, um, the argument, you know, when they're in, we see this a lot of, uh, controversy over this where they take down the the confederate stuff are you what are you as, you, as a someone that studies history are you the type where we, we should have this stuff because it happened and you can't just erase history so that's not erasing history because mm-hmm. history is not in like not statues yeah. it's not in monuments that people put up during the civil rights movement because they wanted to enforce their worldview which you know fun fact that's when a lot of those went up okay it's in like books and documents and primary sources and like letters and all that where that's that's where you actually learn and it says something about our society that future historians will look back on and be like yeah the racism ran pretty deep Mm mm-hmm and that's that will all be part of it mm-hmm. and maybe like you know put them up in like some kind of like holocaust museum type thing mm-hmm. but honestly the you put up memorials to celebrate things you put them up to you know try and show off what's great about your you know hometown state 
country, et cetera. Mm-hmm. You don't put them up so like, oh, everyone can, you know, learn like the nuances of like the how, you know, microeconomics played a role in the continuation of slavery into the early American Republic. You mm-hmm. put them up because like you want to be like, yeah, it was right here where we kicked those goddamn Brits out of America once and for all. Right. That's where it's like, you know, we got to celebrate, you know, right, this right. Is, it's like a long form fireworks display <laughs> where it's like, you know, every day can't be the 4th of July. So you just got to like put a statue up. Sure. So that is all that is to say is that, we should just take them down mm-hmm. because, or well, I guess not. We, it's the people of these communities should decide for themselves that they don't want to celebrate a legacy of racial injustice, of violence, of oppression, of all of the horrible shit that was done in the past. And you should just put it down and say, Hey, let's be like, yeah, some things happened. Let's be better moving forward. Mm-hmm. Where does that, I guess, where's the line? Where do you, where does that end in terms of taking things down and changing things? You, there's a lot of presidents that are acknowledged that. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Tom is fucking shitty people. Yep. I mean, Thomas Jefferson, who's probably one of the best presidents we've ever had also had the other side of the coin where they, you know, he had a, a lot of children with his slaves mm-hmm. and he didn't really acknowledge them and he was pretty shitty about it. Mm-hmm. It's where like you get people who they're celebrated more water, by the way. Cool. <laughs> where they're, they're in the history books yeah. for things like the civil war where it's, they, and don't come at me with this state's rights bullshit. They fought for the continuation of their system and their society, an integral part of which was slavery. Mm -hmm. So they were fighting for this very narrow, very bigoted worldview. And that's not, you know, maybe the only person I could conceivably be convinced could possibly be, you know, like still have a statue of him would be Robert E. Lee. Mm -hmm. But that's a pretty big maybe. And that's because he, you know, he straight up said like, I can't invade Virginia. Like that's my home. Mm-hmm. And that's so maybe just him, but probably not still because, mm-hmm. you know, he still did he's the still, whole, he's still fighting for, you know, for slavery, right. for the idea of white racial supremacy. And even if he's not necessarily, that's not his cause. The bigger it's, picture is it's, yeah, that's, he's it's still, still pervading if if he wins. Yeah, where it's like, okay, he, and, you know, there's a lot of evidence that he was also pretty into the idea of slavery Mm -hmm. and of white supremacy. So, 
probably he's probably still not your guy. Mm-hmm. It's probably just something like you need to be like, okay, this was a shitty thing that happened. We need to apologize and move forward. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, okay, we need to like we need to deal with this. We can't just be like, no, it was for states' rights and the everything else is you know, it wasn't a that was just kind of tangential and it was a, it was about the sovereignty of virginia and it it wasn't no and you, and you know it wasn't cuz they had all kinds of really shady laws that fucked with the sovereignty of like new york mm-hmm. and illinois where they're like hey fuck whatever laws you made if you know the fugitive slave law if you get that then you know you have to bring us back our slaves mm. what i got to ask not to make the not to take this um, away from this serious matter, but I notice you have the fucking book. Oh yeah, I was <laughs> I was working on some notes. We've gone pretty far afield of. <laughs> okay, yep. I was like, "What's in the book?" Yep, tentative plan, but we're just kind of free forming it. Yeah, but we're so. just hanging out and free forming. Okay. That's what history kind of, as you as you mentioned before we talked, history kind of lends itself to tangents because yep. we have gotten on a tangent. Oh yeah. Because <laughs> history is context. Yeah. So the thing about context is there's always more context. Mm-hmm. And especially with history where it's like, okay, you want to talk about like the you know, Romans. Okay, well then you need to talk about like the Mediterranean and you need to talk about the Greeks. And if you're talking about the Greeks, you need to talk about the Persians. And if you're talking about the Persians, you need to talk about the Babylonians and like on and on and on all the way down to like, okay, what's the first thing some motherfucker scratched into a rock 10,000 years ago? Right. What's the, what? And then you do that and then you're like, fuck, they did it all over the world. <laughs> so what, what is that first thing that that fucking, uh, the uh, homo sapien did over uh, the Neanderthal? I don't remember like the first, like what the actual oldest known written record is. Mm-hmm. I do know the Epic of Gilgamesh is the oldest like poetry. Mm-hmm. I do believe we've got like all kinds of like record keeping and shit from before that. Mm-hmm. Cause that's how writing got started is people were like, okay, we've got like big societies. So we need to like kind of keep track of where everything is. So, Okay, how are we going to do that? It's like, okay. Our memory is not can, that great. Yeah, no, it's like, okay, f- all right, we'll write it down. We, don't, we can't do that yet. Fuck. Okay, we'll draw a picture of, like, the grain. And then we'll just do, like, tally marks. And that's how we know how much grain we have. They're like, okay, cool. <laughs> Let's, all right. It's just crazy enough to work. So that... Um, and then, you know, over time they're just like, okay, so they have the picture of the grain and they're like, okay, that's also the word. They're like, wait, you can put that shit together. Mm -hmm. Then you've got like complex ideas. Then, you know, from there it gets kind of like weird and abstract. And then from there you've just got, okay, this is a symbol. We agree means a sound. Mm, Yeah. Letter. And then. The Phoenicians were like, okay, let's have like, instead of like little pictures standing for whole words, let's have like little individual ones that are just like little sounds. Mm -hmm. 
and then you know then you have an alphabet and then on and on and on, on. and on and then i think they still had to add like vowels and shit from there but like yeah i mean like you, you get the idea <laughs> yeah it's it's just like i said it leads this all leads to tangents we were just talking about we started with my hangover yep. eating burritos we go to um how do we even get to ireland i, I don't even remember uh, I think you asked for an example of something. Oh, uh, yeah. And then you went to Ireland, which yep. which is your, your focus of study. And mm-hmm. then we got to America because I brought up um, how Catholics were oppressed. And, and, and that's the current rabbit right. hole we're dealing with. Right, 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 so. right. Well, you did mention there was one thing I, I caught on that I wanted to bring up real quick. So you're an MMA fan. Mm-hmm. So what are your thoughts on Conor McGregor? I'm so disappointed. That's <laughs> because he was something where it was like, you know, like literally rags to riches and he is, you know, was at the top of his field and he was like staying out of trouble and he was, you know, this really driven, dedicated person. And he was like, you know, he, he seemed like such a cool guy. Right. And then, you know, I don't, we don't know him. Yeah. I you know, but he definitely seems like, because I follow MMA pretty intensely, mm-hmm. and I, I, I almost, not a historian, but I, I do mm-hmm. have a good idea of what's going on. He definitely seems like the type of guy that money changed him. Yeah, really which I mean. Him. Which is not, I mean, yeah. that's not uncommon. Everyone. Oh my God, if I had, if I had $32 million right now, oh my, I would. You would like to think you were a different, you'd stay the oh, same no, person, I, but you, you probably wouldn't. I would not handle it well. Right. So much ridiculous stuff. I mean, I remember there. just getting out of college and getting my first job and just having a paycheck and mm-hmm. just spending it like an asshole. <laughs> yep. No, that was me uh, right when I finished the, uh, when I was still in training. So mm-hmm. it was like, go out on the weekend. And then it's like, okay, I've got lots of disposable income relatively and no expenses. Right. So fuck it. Let's, you know, go wild in fucking Oceanside. <laughs> Yeah, that's. Uh, I would even say that characterizes me even now. Yeah. I make more money, and I still, and I'm still not saving as yeah. much as I think I should be. So, going back to Connor, it definitely seems like mm-hmm. um, you know money has changed him. I I quite enjoy Connor as well. Mm-hmm. I am also. I'm disappointed that he's not as into fighting as he as I wish he would be. And it's like I get it to an extent because he's like, okay, I. You know, at the top of my field, there's, you know, I've reached the top of my the mountain. What do I do now? And, but yeah, I mean, we're both athletes. We right. know it's like that shit's hard. It's very hard. Where it's, it's like you don't, cutting weight fucking sucks. Right. And getting to the top of your field, I mean, he's had to do years of sacrifice and this staying at the top isn't as fun. No. You know, getting there is fun. Mm-hmm. But then, Getting all the riches and having to stay there, I know. That's but so it's, cool. Yeah, but as but as someone that's a sports fan, and yeah, I want to, I like to see greatness. And it's I and it's one thing where it's like okay, I, you know, it's one thing where he's like okay, I've reached the peak. I'm going to bow out gracefully, and you know, it's there. You know, I've run the end of my road. Or even if someone who like 
they had a good, you know, they went, they lost, and they, you know, they were, they never quite get that magic back. And they're like, okay, my time is done. I will bow out gracefully. But it's like, when he implodes like that, where he's like, just goes and makes such an ass of himself and, you know, really does all kinds of bad shit like that. It's like, Oh, come on, man. Mm. Like there's a certain level of class. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he did a lot though for, in terms of bringing back, uh, or not bringing back, but making Irish culture, mm-hmm. a hot thing again, which, you know, that's good. But then that's, when you start doing shit like, you know, throwing barriers through a bus window and like causing all kinds of, you know, problems, then it rubber bands back and it's like, okay, now you're not representing your community very well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's unfortunate. I mean, like I said, I mean, the the thing that I don't like about Connor besides the fact that he doesn't Mm -hmm. fight anymore is, He's kind of made the UFC less of a sport. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, now it's they they reward the, the trash talk and they they wanted the to spectacle. see the spectacle. They want to see the super fights and you know he he started all that. Mm-hmm. Um, that. What was cool about him was that I think he was. I mean, he genuinely was just that guy, just yeah. on, a, on a grander stage. Where now you have other fighters copying that, and mm-hmm. you can tell they're they're not that guy. Where it's you know, you want to be like the purist where it's like, I'm about the fight. Like, did you see, um, uh, I already forgot his name. Which one? Uh, the guy that Nagano knocked out. Oh, uh, Kane Velasquez. Velasquez. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Where he, cause I was at that fight. Oh, you were there? Yeah. No, where was that at? In Anaheim? No, that was in, um, Oh, uh, Texas, Phoenix, right? Phoenix, no, Phoenix yeah, or yeah. Tempe or Phoenix. Yeah. Glendale. The, yeah, that that metropolitan area. You were there. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, wife and I took a road trip. Did you see the fight? No, my we have a friend out there, so oh. he was like, we we're like, hey, haven't seen you since the wedding. Let's hang out, and and he was like, oh, well, the fights are coming up, and I'm like, sure, that'll work. And Ganu is a scary motherfucker. He was. That was. I mean, it was a good fight, but I remember being there, and there were a bunch of people who showed up to see Cain Velasquez. Mm-hmm. They didn't. Like they weren't really interested in the fighting. So you had, I've, it was one of the female fights where they were, you know, having like a pretty technical fight as a lot of, you know, fights tend to be. Mm -hmm. And the crowd was like booing them. Like not even like. Not even acknowledging. Yeah. Where it's like, you're like, there's a good fight. I'm, trying to watch it's you know a bit of a chess match but that's all right and they were just straight up booing and i heard like some people were like basically sexually harassing these women from the stands oh man and i'm like it's shit like that where it's like you don't want to be like an elitist or you you know you want to be like oh you know you want to be like yeah everyone can come and watch this but when like shit like that happens and it's like you're just ruining it for everyone mm-hmm. and then of course you know Velasquez went down pretty quick 
Yeah, people were not happy. No, and I <laughs> no, and believe you me, I was laughing my ass off. Really? <laughs> yeah, because it's like uh, nothing against him personally. Like it was I, just the peep the crowd that he had attracted. Yeah, where it's like, okay, this is you know, it's more like ah, uh, you people have reaped what you've sown. <laughs> yeah, I think the you know, the fight you're referring to was probably uh, Cynthia Cavillo and Courtney Casey. That sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of drunk. <laughs> Live fights are awesome. The only thing is. The crowd it attracts is not the most intelligent at all times. No, and it's and it's worse yeah. now because of the, the Connor effect. Where now you have a lot of bandwagon it's, fans jumping on, and you know it's like you know I want people to like things I like, but I don't really want you to be like an asshole. Like because I'm not like I'm not deep into it. Mm-hmm. I'm just like you know, kind of a casual fan. Sure. Uh, but you you wrestled, so you have a, yeah. a respect for I respect what these it. athletes are doing. Yeah. Right. I know how much work it goes into trying to compete at a high level in a combat sport. I know what all, like, I know all that. And I also know, like, okay, I don't know everything. So, like, I've got my friend that I was visiting. He's training up to fight. Oh, wow. So, yeah, he's um, 1-0 amateur right now. So, shout out to Ian Miller. Nice. Shout out to him. Yep. Hopefully he listens to the pod. I'll let him know. Good. good. I appreciate that. Yep. <laughs> and um, yeah, so it's like if I've got a question, I'm like, hey, why is, you know, this doesn't make sense. Why are they doing it? And he's like, oh, well, it's like this, you idiot. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Or it's like I recognize like if I don't get something or if I'm like a little bored by the experience, I'm not going to like just be an asshole. Right. I have a tough time conversing with people about MMA because I find the majority of people don't really know what they're talking about, mm-hmm. which is fine, but they don't know that they don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> yeah. So I have a tough time. I have a tough time when someone, for instance, if at work someone will spout off, oh, you know, Connor's going to knock out Khabib nope. easily. And it's like, he could. He but might. That's probably not what's going to happen. And, you know, I just don't, I just, I, I don't have enough time to educate someone on the nuances of the sport mm-hmm. and the fact that, hey, man, Connor hasn't fought in a couple of years now. Or he hasn't fought MMA in a couple of years, and oh, your book fell. Yeah. Uh, and he's fighting a guy that's a really terrible style matchup for him. So this might not go the way you think. Just because you haven't heard this guy's name doesn't mean um, it's going to go the way you expect. Yeah. Did I you, do. Yeah. Go ahead. I do remember uh, in the lead up to Maymac, where oh, man, they were, the biggest con job ever. I I had fun with it. I did. I I, I actually enjoyed it too. But yeah, it's like I wasn't there for like you know. I was I, there for spectacle for sure. Yeah, yeah. And so, and you know, also an excuse to drink. Yes, That's, which is great. <laughs> we're just we're just trying to work through our nine to five to get to our local pub and have a few pints. And mm-hmm. This was a good reason to do so. <laughs> that was a good night. A lot of fun. Did you you knew though going in that? Oh yeah, no. It's, I basically knew it, like I figured it would end like basically how it did, or I thought they might like drag it out mm-hmm. a little bit more. But I was like, no, Connor, no. I, I'll, I'll give but Connor then, credit, or I'll give the 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 um the build up credit. Mm-hmm. I mean, I watch MMA and I've watched boxing for a good amount of years. I I know that it it's. Highly, 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 highly unlikely that a top-level MMA guy can go crossover to boxing in his first mm-hmm. fight and, and beat one of the all-time greats. 
even at a diminished state that Floyd Mayweather was in, he's still a like, high level boxer. Yeah. So, but I'll give him credit. In the buildup towards the end, I was going, well, "What if he did knock him?" Yeah, out? where it's <laughs> like that. Uh, what if he landed that magic yeah. punch right on the him? internet, where yeah. like the wife's like looking at her husband and he's looking away, and she's like, "I bet he's thinking about other girls right now." <laughs> and then he's there, like, "What if Connor lands that left?" <laughs> <laughs> that would that that would have been something, but I know it it was so unlikely. No. But it was it, it was fun, and it was it was fun. It was some harmless, good, clean fun. The the thing that sucks about that fun is now you have other fighters that want to do that thing, <sighs> but they're like, not. But they're not. You're not no. that fun. <laughs> no. This is there's nothing that'll there's nothing right now that'll be as fun as that was. As it was like because that was what I really liked was in the lead up to that they were basically doing the trash talking equivalent of just trading yo mama jokes back and forth. <laughs> Where it's like I knew it wasn't like a ser- like it wasn't like um, Jones versus Cormier or any right. where it's like a really where they legitimately don't like each other and you can see it, it. was they're just kind of like yo mama's so fat. <laughs> well, the best the part of the funny part about that was they put them on this tour. Mm-hmm. It was four or five cities: New York, Los Angeles, Toronto, and London. Was was, was the t- the four stops, and they put them out there and they to promote this fight, but they basically. The way they set it up was they both had as much time as they wanted to do a stand-up routine. <laughs> and you could tell by the after the first or second leg that they didn't have any more material really. They were trying to come up with stuff, but you know, they're no. not stand-up artists. They're no. not they're not they're not com- com- comedians. I would I could picture Floyd Mayweather though getting like hiring like a uh, Kevin Hart yeah. to come back him up. Like, all right, write me some jokes. <laughs> you you could tell that Floyd was really running out of stuff mm. because he started dropping the uh, the F slur in the, I think the third stop. Yeah, he he calls him a egg. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I was like, oh man, like but you could come tell on. he was just well, you could just tell like he didn't know what else to do anymore. Yeah, so you he, you could only cuss this guy so much and say you're a bitch, you're you suck, mm. you're a bitch, you're a hoe. So then he like, okay, what else can I say to this guy? It's honest. He's got so much money. He should have been like, hey, Kevin Hart, come to my house this weekend. We'll right. write some jokes. The problem is Floyd can't read. Did you show I you believe, uh, yeah. <laughs> have you heard? Have you seen that? Look that up on YouTube. Uh, I have not. I don't have a problem believing it though. Yeah. There's one part where there's one where he has to read a radio spot and you can just tell. I mean, he can read, but it's, he's having difficulty reading this radio spot. And that's I mean, he was jumped on basically raised to be a boxer so i'm yeah. not surprised he's not as good at other things he's but he's amazing at what he what he could what he was raised he was his raised entire to life to yeah. do I, I i really dislike floyd Mayweather though i yeah i intensely dislike him because and now, now connor's actually in the news for this yeah. too but um anytime you're convicted of hitting know. a woman yeah or hitting kids that's that's rough yep and that's the you know, the cycle of violence and poverty. And it's like, Oh guys, that sucks. you've got to rise above that. But then again, we do have a president in power that says you can grab them by the, the P word mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and basically admit on the radio that, uh, he, he's at least sexually harassed women. Yep. Was it what he said? You kiss them. And I don't know. <sighs> yeah. That's just, uh, that's... <laughs> not to tie this back to your boy, but, Yep, that's it. All comes back <laughs> when 
when you have a guy in uh, in power that uh, yeah. pervaded actively that. wants to be the center of the universe. <laughs> How are you on uh, time? We've gone for a pretty. Long I have time. literally nothing else to do tonight. Nothing to do today. No. <laughs> we'll go for a little longer. Okay. Um, let's get back into actually. You served in the Marines. Mm-hmm. Um, how difficult was that? It in terms of I'm talking about the the training and the, life. the physical stuff wasn't really a problem for me because mm-hmm. it you know where they're like all right you've got to run a mile and a half and I'm like I did that every day in wrestling I was on the track team in high school yeah this is, okay okay bye, bye sir <laughs> but then f- the problem. Uh, so people either struggle physically, mm-hmm. they struggle um, mentally. Yeah, I get more like discipline-wise okay. and like that, or they struggle with the hierarchy. Mm-hmm. And it's like everyone, you know, depending on the day, everyone's going to have a different version of that issue. But very few people like really thrive in that environment. I mean, like, like I didn't, I, that's why I got out. But Mm. the problem I had wasn't so much like the being like yelled at or like the exercise or all of that. It was the, is it, are you yelled at a lot? Yeah. Literally like how it's portrayed on. I mean, in, in boot camp, Yeah. It's like, they're basically always screaming at you, which like at first is kind of an adjustment. But then after a little while, you're just like, I, don't give a fuck any like I ran out of fucks to give six months ago, whatever. <laughs> but um, once you get done with that and then you're like actually in your unit, they, you know, you get treated slightly better. But I mean, there's like a hierarchy. Yeah. I mean, not even like, you know, NCO to junior enlisted. There's like, you know, junior enlisted, like the senior Lance corporals are going to, you know, make you do all the bitch work and then no, I don't know. But is this, is this a, the way that the military is set up? Is that a good way to mm-hmm. to do things? You think it's a good way to do things in a war zone. And when you're preparing to go to a war zone, uh, it's not necessarily always the best approach for like teaching things or for like training or, um, one of the problems I had was I'm smarter than most people mm-hmm. and that's, I would agree. You're smart. Yeah. I like, you know, I, I'm gifted in that area. Other people are gifted in other areas. Like we're all just, we're all just people who right. gives a fuck. Right. But it was when you've got these petty tyrants who they just don't who this is their the only thing that gives their life meaning mm-hmm. is they can be like, well, I'm a corporal in the Marine Corps and like, that's great, but it's not everything mm-hmm. and it doesn't like make you a better person. So for instance, I had one, my last like last stretch in the Marine Corps where this guy was, um, he had been in the, my same unit, but then his contract was up. He left, but then he came back 
didn't really know him before then. And I was just there and like everyone was really like pretty tight in our platoon. It was, you know, we had a way of doing things and it was fine. Like it wasn't, you know, we worked together as well as can be expected. And they, and he comes in and he just wants to like, you know, be the big man. So he confuses leadership with what drill instructors do, which is not at all the same thing. And that's another huge problem in the Marine Corps, but that's, we, we, we don't have time for my anthropological dissection of the culture of the United States Marine infantry. <laughs> we don't. So that's, um, anyway, what was I saying? So he was a, he was out of shape, which was one problem. And he just wasn't, like he wasn't intelligent, he wasn't good at anything. He just kind of, you know, rode that seniority into a promotion, which, you know, that literally is. anyone. Yeah, I mean, it's literally you could find that person in every office and mm-hmm. in society. <laughs> yeah, we're just a very bottom ten percent of humanity kind of person. So he stuck he, around long enough to to rise to a power. Mm-hmm position of power yep okay and so he just made everyone miserable and like he tried to compensate for his shortcomings by acting big and like you know putting everyone else around him down so we had this one guy um name was dean he he was a fucking character so like um you know, he was always doing like weird, crazy shit, which he, there's someone like that in every platoon. And he was like, ah, that's our Dean. He forgot all his warming layers when we went to rural Wisconsin in the winter. <laughs> oh, Dean. It's like everyone give him your extra t-shirts. <laughs> so that's, you know, so he'd like forget stuff and we're like, all right, you know, like, okay, so you forgot your stuff. We just dummy court everything to you. Problem solved. But this guy, he actively put him down like every day where the point where like this really like bright, cheery guy who like he fucked up and like he, you know, but he took it like a man. He, you know, he took his lumps. But this guy just made him just rode him for no good reason for uh, just day after day after day. Until, like, after about a week, you know, this, like, bright, cheery kid was like, man, fuck this. I don't want to be here. Like, you know, do you, you know I don't want to fucking deal with this. And so that was. You're just seeing bullying at this point. Yeah, where he's just a bully. And he's just a petty piece of shit. Mm-hmm. But you have to. Like, it's literally the law that you have to show this person certain levels of respect. Mm-hmm. And that was the part, yeah, that was the part I wasn't, that I didn't handle very well. That was your disenfranchised moment right there? Yeah, where it's, I mean, like I had, I mean, I had bad NCOs before that, but it was, it, it was that where I'm like, this is a human being 
who has no redeeming qualities. And this is a person who just doesn't, who's just making everything around him worse. And he's in a position of power. And that was something where I just couldn't wrap my head around it. Mm -hmm. But, you, you know, that was just me. There are other people who, like, like short guys, especially when on like marches, they just couldn't handle it because, mm-hmm. you know, they've got little legs and, you know, they small people. Mm-hmm. They can't carry. Yeah. It, you know, nobody's fault. It happens. Like some guys struggled with that. Um, other guys, like we had a few who they just couldn't handle getting yelled at mm-hmm. and like get in your face where it's, you know, like, okay, you want to say like, okay, you have to like know your Marines and know how to, you know, deal with that. But it's like, dude, you knew what this is going to be right. like, like, come on. You signed up having a, like, a, you should, you should have an idea of what the Marine Corps does not bullshit about the yelling. No, they like, tell you right up front. Like it's in their recruiting commercials where they're like, dude, and dress like a drill instructor screaming at you. Right. That's like, that's part of the advertising. Like you can't claim you didn't know that was going to be happening. Yeah. And at that point you're just being ignorant <laughs> to, to yeah. what you want, what you signed up for. But yeah, so that's, you know, maybe they thought of, like, I'm not really like sitting in judgment of him, but it's cause you know, I mean like I got burned out and disillusioned too. It's, right. Well, it's not for everyone. I'm glad you're, uh, you got out and you're, I mean, you might didn't have, get shot. Yeah. didn't get shot. Can yep. still speak intelligently about mm-hmm. things and pursue things that you actually want to pursue rather than, mm-hmm. um, defending this country for someone you don't like. Well, it's not like I like, I like if there was like some, like, you know, if like there was like, the Nazis like invaded from the moon or whatever. And they're like, we need every able-bodied man to, you know, repel these, you know, shitheads. Mm -hmm. I would be like, all right, I'll be the first man there, Mm -hmm. but it's, we're not really doing that right Right. now. There's there's nothing to rally against, right? It's not even that it's like, you know, we've got a military geared towards a certain mission. I, you know, thought I'd take a look, see if it was for me. It wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. Did my time. How long was that time? Six years. Oh, wow. But I mean, it was like weekends and two weeks in the summer. So it's like, it, 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 it honestly wasn't like that bad, mm-hmm. but you know, it's, yeah, I did, I did my time, which was, you know, weekends for six years. And is that a lot? Is that the minimum amount of time you can do? For a reserve contract, I thought it was, but I hear like I thought I saw someone who had like a four year contract, and we we're like, "What the fuck? Yeah. How did Damn you? Damn it! <laughs> Whose dick did you suck to get that?" <laughs> Which dick sucking is a big thing in the Marine Corps? Is it really? Or are you like implying like or saying like because it's everyone's very secure in their masculinity? Sure, because they're like we're Marine infantry, like. What do we have to come? So they're a lot more comfortable being like, you know, you suck dick. And right. uh, we all suck dick. <laughs> There's not the, uh, 
there's not the purveyance of masculinity because everyone. There, yeah, there's no need to like puff up your chest and act like you're hot shit because you are. Right. So, so. You're, you're in the Marines. Sure. Yeah, you're Marine infantry. Like you got nothing to prove. <laughs> you say that, and you are automatically command respect from mm-hmm. most people that can think intelligently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or even like a lot that don't, and it's just even then. Yeah. 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 Well, this was a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> I think we should definitely do this again. I'm around. Um, you're not too far away. Nope. And we, we barely even touched in your notes. We didn't touch your notes at all. Not really, but I like I was mostly working from memory anyway. So nice. it's just it's all good. Is there anything um you want to plug um, before we get out of here? In theory, I'll have a book coming out in whenever I finish up and people are <laughs> so that's you know. Will will it be under Jimmy point. McPike or Bard Brayon? Probably the pen probably under Bard Brayon. Bard Brayon, okay. And we'll uh, what is the book about? So you that, give that away? is uh, so this is going to be like this isn't like the next great American novel. This is some shit that's going to be fun and mm-hmm. you know not really like trying to change the world with it. So it's about um, a detective in Chicago. And he sold his soul to the devil back in the day. And so as part of, so the deal was like, okay, you can like just kind of hang out upstairs and you'll be eternally young and et cetera, et cetera. But then like when the, you know, when someone escapes from hell, you got to fetch him back. And oh, by the way, if you fail, well, it is hell. Mm Mm-hmm. So he, so it'll be um, episode one of his adventures with that, um, or not? It'll be, yeah, the first in the series, and um, it'll be a, a book. It'll be a book. Yep. Oh, cool! And yeah, there's what happens is there is a, a cult on the loose in Chicago, and they are kidnapping and killing people for nefarious purposes. And he gets shanghaied by the FBI to help out with that. And so he's got to run down the bad guys, save the day, et cetera, et cetera. Looking forward to seeing when, whenever that does come out. Mm-hmm. Looking forward to reading that. Oh, I just got to like, yeah, actually, because I finished up the draft for it. Mm-hmm. or But now I need to like do like a f- whole like typed out formal spell check draft mm-hmm. where it's, you know, fix like all the you know, sand it down a little bit before I can start showing it to publishers. Best of luck with that. Yep. (laughs) We'll definitely have you back on. Um, if you liked Jimmy, um, he was on the jock and nerd podcast. Mm -hmm. Since this is your one seventy one, you were on, um, I think you were on one prior to that too. Yep. Uh, I think it might've been like 52, but yeah, it was right after Andrew Gildy Mm -hmm. came on. Shout out to the guild master. (laughs) <laughs> he was my uh, wrestling coach the last yeah. two years of high school. Yeah, that's how we got connected. Mm-hmm. He was on our show first, and then you started listening because of him, right? Yep. yep. Um, things to plug, Man of Sin by Andrew Gildy. Yeah, I have that. Oh, yeah. It's good. That's good. It's good stuff. Um, also, <laughs> it's funny we started off the show this way, but if you want to read some old articles on the place to hang your cape, Barb Brayon, mm-hmm. they're still up there. Yep. So you can check those out too. 
And uh, once again, sorry, David and everybody. <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe one day again. Maybe. Maybe. All right. I'm going to turn this off. All right.